Listen to our show every single Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com and download our app. How do you do that? You go to iOS, WWSRN, or Android at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And yes, you can call our show tonight at 631 965 490 Nine zero. We have a wonderful, great, impacted show for you guys tonight. Um, just in, in just a few moments, um, we're going to have the Iron Eagle interview, which we interviewed him on Monday. It was a great, great interview. Um, at 9.30, we'll be interviewing New York Post college football reporter Zach uh, Braziller. And uh, at 10.10, we will be talking... Uh, to pro football-focused content director Austin Gale about the NFL draft. And at 11 o'clock, we are going to be doing our mock draft. This And we're going to be doing a three-hour show tonight because there will not be a show tomorrow. Uh, it is my birthday. I will be 39. I am an old fart. So, yes, you don't have to sing happy birthday. But by the time the show is over tonight, it will be my birthday, and I will be 39 years old, an old bastard named Errol Marks. But before we get into our interview with Ian Eagle, Speedy Petey, what's going on, my friend? A lot of fun stuff lately. A lot of busy stuff, but I enjoyed every bit of it. Like you, like you were saying, Ian was fantastic. We'll get to his interview in just a bit. Looking forward to the NFL draft. Obviously nervous because Dave Gettleman's my team's GM, and who knows what's going to happen with that. But mm. looking forward to it. Looking forward to draft day. It's always a fun time. Now, and I will say this, Mr. Josh Silverberg. I want to say that you still look like an Adam Sandler wannabe. <laughs> I love you. it. Hey, listen, like I said, well, I don't know if you heard the story quickly. Apparently, he went to an IHOP with his daughter this past week, and it was a 30-minute wait, and he walked out. But I give him credit because he didn't pull the mask down and be the, hey, do you know who I am? He didn't play that card. I respect him for that. He acted like a normal civ- civilian and did not play. I mean, but who waits 30 minutes at an IHOP? I want to know why it's a 30-minute wait. That was the crazy thing. Mm. Um, but happy birth, early birthday to you, Errol, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, to Jeff, I know you still hate me. So <laughs> I'm always saluting you right away off the bat. Uh, can't wait. But we're ex- I'm excited to get to talk to Zach and Austin. And here, of course, we had, it was great to be with Iron Eagle this week. You guys, if you guys are an Iron Eagle fan, this is a great treat for you. Iron uh, came on a video feed, gave us some really good information 
But before we get Ian on, uh, Speedy, why don't you read off some of the comments so we can get right into it. And then we've got a great show. It's impacted. So I want you guys to listen after the, the Iron Eagle show, after the Iron Eagle uh, replay of our interview at not, well, we interviewed him at 9 p.m. on Monday. We have live, everything else is live. We're going to have Zach Brazilla and we have Austin Gale and we're going to do our mock draft. So stay on. Watch the interview, and I'm telling you guys, this is going to be a fun show tonight. So shout out to Alex Slows, who takes the first dig at Josh. How's it going, guys? I'm ready to hear a good show. Also, Josh's rumors. Uh, Clarence, what's up, man? Uh, View comments it. Let's get it. Out, Josh knows I'm busting his chops. And Jeff says, imagine a pile of shit just decaying for 39 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So, guys, here we go. This is an Welcome interview. a roaring start. Well... Uh, this is an interview with Ian Eagle. It was a great interview on Monday, and here we go. Well, I will say this, guys. I've been waiting to get this guy on the line for a very, very long time. We haven't interviewed him for about a year and a half, and he's a good friend. He's the man, the myth, the legend, Ian Eagle. What's going on, Ian? Hey, what's up, guys? I feel like I'm there with you, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, Ian. You're very well known in the broadcasting world. You're the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. You're the voice of CBS for the NFL on Sundays. It's great to listen to you. It's great to hear you. So I really want to get into the NFL and the NFL draft. Actually, on Thursday, my birthday, April 29th, Zach Wilson is the guy that the New York Jets are looking at to draft at number two. What is your thoughts of Zach Wilson, his talent, and bringing him into the New York Jets? You know, in all sincerity, something I've learned doing the NFL the last 23 years, the draft comes around. I'm fully immersed in the NFL during the season. That's 18, 19, 20 weeks if you start including playoffs, four more weeks for preseason before they make the changes coming year. And I get to the NFL draft, and I've seen very little of these guys play. I've caught Zach Wilson on some videos, occasionally on TV, but I can't even pretend to tell you that I know what he's going to be at the next level. College basketball is different. I live in that world. I see these guys before they get to the NBA. College football, I don't see it. So (laughs) I got to be perfectly frank with you. Every year when I go into the NFL to prepare for it, I'm starting from scratch with these guys. I learn about them once they make a team, once I'm assigned that team. But until that point, I'm just not the guy to lean on for NFL draft information. I know the Jets obviously are high on him and they made a very tough decision in regards to Sam Darnold. But the reality was nobody within the organization right now had any ties with Sam other than getting to know him the last couple of years. Joe Douglas didn't draft him. Robert Sala obviously had no connection to him. And once you peeled away the onion, you realize that they were probably going to go out and do their own thing and also buy some time. By drafting a quarterback now in the first round in 2021, that probably buys you three years as a decision maker, as a head coach, because you have to allow time for this whole process to develop. So just looking at it from that perspective, I felt pretty strongly that the Jets were going to make a move like this. 
Robert Sala became the new head coach with the New York Jets. The Jets have had a lot of bad coaching for a while now. What do you think Sala will bring the most, especially with the players as a whole and with this defense with the New York Jets, a 4-3 defense now in comparison to having a 3-4 for years? Before we even get into the football side of it, anyone that I've talked to in regards to Robert Sala will tell you his communication skills are what sets him apart. His ability to connect with players, his ability to cut through a lot of the BS and talk to a player the way they need to be spoken to. The idea that this is a family, the idea that there is one goal, one objective, getting everybody to buy in. You don't take that for granted in this league. And those that usually can get to that level of communication are very successful. The football side of it, he's been an aggressive defensive coordinator, as we know with San Francisco. Certainly the scheme is going to change. And one, in my mind, that fits better with today's NFL, it's just always felt like, at least recently, the Jets were trying to take a square peg and jam it into a round hole. I like this scheme a lot more. And I think there's an intensity that he brings to the position that this team desperately needed, a passion and that connectivity that maybe has been lacking in recent years. I think he will be a media darling because he presents himself very well. His press conferences already have been outstanding. And while that doesn't matter in the grand scheme, I don't think fans care if their head coaches are loved by the media or do well in their weekly press conferences. It doesn't hurt. And it certainly doesn't hurt in New York when you're trying to turn things around and trying to get people back engaged in this team. They've got a long way to go. This roster is highly flawed. They have to hit on not a couple of players in the draft. It's time. Just look at their drafts in recent years. They've taken major whiffs. They need to get five players that can contribute to this team, not two and three maybes. They need five players that can step in and play a role on the 2021 version of the Jets. You brought up Sam Darnold earlier, and in everybody's mind, everybody feels like Sam got a raw deal here with the lack of talent around him from the coaching aspect of it to the GM that drafted him and then got fired the next year right after the draft was over, which was very fugazi and weird. What were your thoughts on Sam's timing, and do you think Sam can still be a success story with the Carolina Panthers? I think he can. I think there's a lot of ability there, having met with him probably – between preseason games and regular season games eight or nine times over the last few years. I was always impressed. Uh, I thought there was a maturity. Uh, I thought he was trying to do all the right things. And there were certain things that came to him naturally and certain things that he had to figure out. Josh McCown was a tremendous resource for him in bouncing things off of and getting an understanding of the position and what it means to be a pro. But ultimately, it's you out there. And with a bad offensive line and this past season, probably the worst collection of skill position players in the NFL, how could you expect him to flourish under those circumstances? There are some scouts that will tell you that they didn't see enough improvement. The mistakes that he was making as a rookie, he was still making in his third year. In my estimation, he didn't have the support. Carolina, Matt Rule, the hope would be that those two will find a lot of common ground and that he will be put in a position to succeed as opposed to what we saw the last couple of years with the Jets. So if you're asking me, can he be a successful quarterback in the NFL? My resounding answer is yes. 
Can he be a top five QB in the NFL? That might be pushing it. Uh, there might be limitations to the ceiling just based on what we've seen from his first few years in the NFL. We are talking to the voice of the Brooklyn Nets and the voice of CBS Sports, TNT. This guy is all over the place, the great Ian Eagle. Ian, we look at the draft and we talk about Trevor Lawrence, we talk about Wilson, we talk about Justin Fields, we talk about the Patriots possibly moving up to number eight if Justin Fields falls to number eight. When you look at this draft class and being that with the COVID-19 season, a lot of these teams didn't get an opportunity to really play. So a lot of these players are going into a draft where you don't know what they were going to do in their sophomore year, or their junior year, or their senior year. So they're going into the draft cold turkey. Do you think that this draft is going to be more amusing than any other draft because of the fact that we didn't get the chance to see some of these players going into the draft this year? Yeah, one thing that we've always learned about the NFL draft, it gives fan bases hope more than anything else. That's a day in the year, even if you're coming off a 1-15 in season, a 2-14 in season, a season that had very few highs. That day as a fan base and as a team, as an organization, you finally have something to sell again, hope. So I think every year when we go into the draft and there's this mysterious element of where guys are going to fit in and how they're going to play as pros, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. This year's version, probably a little bit more mysterious, just based on the fact that there isn't the same body of work that teams have to lean on. They couldn't send scouts out in person to go see a bunch of these players. Even the pro days were not what they normally are. To nail the draft, you have to have a real good feel for the individual. And what we're seeing is a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of trying to get to the bottom of it with people that you know, that know this guy, that know that guy, and things are going to slip through the cracks. Already, it's an imperfect science. So now you toss this into the equation this year when you just haven't had the same kind of exposure level to these players. When we look back on it, the 2021 draft is going to be a pretty wild affair because you might have guys that go too high and teams reach. And you certainly will have players that end up going too low that were overlooked that just didn't get the attention that they normally would get during a normal college football season. Are there any teams that are picking maybe earlier than you expected that maybe one player, one star draft pick can make them a Super Bowl contender right away that's maybe in the top 10 or had a losing record last season? I think Miami surprised people last year, and I would certainly put them in that category as a team that is pretty close. Now, whether or not Tua can turn into the real deal, I had a couple of their games late in the season and what I noticed from Tua, everything was pretty much by the book. And they want to get a bit more creative. And they want to see him throw the ball downfield. I don't think he's quite comfortable there yet with that in his arsenal. What we saw when Ryan Fitzpatrick got in there was someone that was willing to sling it. And he's been willing to do that his entire career, starting in year one when he was with the Rams. This is his mentality. He's always had that approach of, hey, I'm just going to let it rip. Tua, to me, was a bit conservative. Coming off the injury, that might be a part of it. And learning the offense and not having a normal offseason and not having a preseason, all of those things were factors. Actors, no doubt about it. But in year two, they expect him to catch up to the rest of the team. And Miami would be a squad that I think is closer than some people might think. They showed some terrific things last year. 
I think there's still a team that could take a big leap forward and maybe be a factor in the AFC. Speaking of teams that are thinking about taking a big leap, I want to talk about the Giants and where they're at with Daniel Jones and people believing in him. If he's the guy, is he not the guy? What are your thoughts when you see Daniel Jones, I mean, signing Kenny Galladay this offseason, trying to put as many pieces around him as possible? Are they giving him enough to succeed? Do you believe in Daniel Jones as a player? I believe in Daniel Jones and the flashes that I've seen in Daniel Jones. The ability is there. There's no doubt. And his ability to use his legs. I'm not shy about running with the football. I happen to call that game in Philadelphia on radio where he stumbled. And, and <laughs> as we know, it went down as a bit of a low light. But let's keep it in mind. The fact that he could sprint at that level and get out. He's faster than people give him credit for. I think he's more athletic than people might give him credit for. And he can make all the throws. The issue has been consistency and turnovers. It's that simple. And I know they've pounded that home to him. This is going to be a critical year. I don't think that those mistakes will be accepted like we've seen in the first couple of years. But I do like the explosiveness. And I do think he still has room there. This is certainly not a finished product by any stretch. More weapons, no doubt. Big help. A healthy Saquon Barkley. Huge help. It was frustrating because of the lack of consistency on the offensive end. But the Giants showed some signs. And I do think while Dave Gettleman has certainly been in the spotlight and has been highly scrutinized, and rightfully so, he has been skillful in the draft in his previous stint in Carolina and when he was scouting for the New York Giants in his previous iteration. And this might be it for Dave. If this doesn't pan out this year, there might be some changes on the horizon for the Giants. So I think it's a crucial year on many levels for the Big Blue. Well, I will say this. Him tripping on his feet was almost as impressive as Mr. Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble. But all in all, this is New York quarterback. So Yeah, I, I called that game as well. So maybe it's me. <laughs> At this stage, we have to see what the common denominator is. Well, that's New York sports. I can't say anything more than that. As you guys know, we are talking to the voice of the Brooklyn Nets and the voice at CBS and TNT, everything. This guy is the biggest and the best play-by-play -play guy in the country, Ian Eagle. Now, Ian, I want to shift over to the NBA, and you're the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Are you surprised of Kyrie Irving's aggressiveness and really his growth as a leader for the Brooklyn Nets, losing Kevin Durant for a significant amount of time, James Harden, they've only played about seven games together since James Harden was traded over there. Are you surprised that Kyrie Irving's growth this year as a leader has really thrived the Brooklyn Nets to be the number one team in the Eastern Conference? Not surprised, but I think it's been good validation for him. This offseason, he certainly heard a lot of stuff around the NBA coming out of the bubble, which he did not participate in. There were a lot of conversations about whether or not this would work, whether or not the personalities would mesh. That's when it was just Kyrie and Durant, and they are very close and they're very friendly. Then James Harden joins in, and we hear a chorus of NBA observers start to portray this as a potential failure. And it's been anything but. The three of those guys have flourished and they've thrived. Injuries have been the issue, yet they still continue to win. And they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. With Kyrie, I got to tell you, having done the NBA for all these years, 
and worked a bunch of his games in Cleveland and Boston. I knew he was really talented. He won a championship with LeBron James. He hit the biggest shot in that series to seal the deal. I didn't know it was at this level. He has all-time ability. I'm talking about his skill level as a ball handler, as a shot maker, as a penetrator. It's really impressive. And as a play-by-play guy, I can tell you, he has packed in 10 years worth of highlights into about 65 games. Wow. This is not me just throwing out superlatives. This is real deal. He's got three or four plays a game where you feel like you've never seen it before. It's eye-popping. So his ability is through the roof. His attitude right now and the buy-in aspect has been at a very high level as well. And look, everybody knows this team is going to be judged on what they do in the playoffs. All of these regular season results are great, but they don't amount to anything because the postseason is where the Nets will either develop this incredible story of these three megastars coming together and winning a championship or the disappointment of not reaching the full potential and fulfilling expectations. A lot of people have criticized the Nets, one, for lack of defensive play this season, and also, two, relying too much on the big three and a worrisome bench. Is there any players in particular that you've watched in broadcasting with the Nets that are maybe under the radar depth pieces or veteran leaders that make more of a difference to this Nets team than people realize just beyond the Nets' big three? I think those were legitimate criticisms at one point in the season. I don't know if they're legitimate criticisms now. Their defense has absolutely improved from early when the trade was made, and their bench has actually been very effective. Joe Harris starts, but Joe Harris is certainly a guy that has earned his money and continues to be one of the elite shooters in the NBA. Two under-the-radar players that I don't think a whole lot was expected from, at least at the level that they've produced this year, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. Guys that anybody in the NBA could have had. And Sean Marks went out and got both of them, and they're both on very economical deals. And both have been perfect fits, perfect complementary pieces for the big three. Beyond that, we've seen Tyler Johnson come back from injury and provide a pop and a lift from the bench. Blake Griffin has played team first basketball, unselfish basketball. And while he had the superstar label, his whole way is not that of a superstar. It's of someone that just wants to be part of this group, wants to win a championship, wants to prove that he still has something left in the tank. So really good vibes right now from the team. You just never know. And with everything that's going on with the protocols, I don't have the same access that I once had. I'm not around the players. I'm not around the coaches. I'm in a different zone entirely from NBA players and coaches. And it was the same thing for NFL and for college basketball. I just didn't have the same interaction. And you still got to go do your job and you got to do it well. And you've got to educate yourself and try to get as much information as possible in any way that you can. But it's not like it was pre-pandemic. And by the way, that's how it has to be. I think everybody understands that for these games to continue. It's not a bubble, but it's a pseudo bubble that these players and coaches have been in. 
I know some people would put the Nets as the favorites coming out of the Eastern Conference. I am one of those. I don't think it's going to be as easy as maybe. No one said you were smart, Josh. Because you mentioned it earlier, Ryan. I think James Harden's only played in seven games with Kyrie and Katie together. And yet he played in eight games in Houston, which is crazy when you think about that number. He's played in more games with the Rockets this year than he has with his new teammates. Do you find that chemistry going into the playoffs? Because with three mega stars and one basketball, that this could hinder the team's chemistry going into it, especially with the way they're playing right now? I don't believe so, just based on everything that I've heard from inside that locker room and how the roles have developed. James Harden, when he got to Brooklyn, he took his time. It wasn't jump right in and start telling everybody what they should be doing. But I got to tell you, two weeks into it, he was very vocal and he was calling guys out and he was sharing his opinions and he's a basketball savant. Kevin Durant is a baller and he really is a plug and play type of guy. You need him to do some things away from the ball, he can do it. You need him to dominate with scoring, he can do it. You need him to play defense, he can do it. He can do anything on the floor. So then that comes down to Kyrie and where he fits in. A huge moment was pretty early in the tenure. And although I think it had already been determined behind the scenes and anyone that was watching the team on a day-to-day basis would notice it. But when Kyrie publicly said, James is the point guard and I am off the ball. And it was a huge game changer in understanding what the mindset was. There was no battle. There was no quarrel. There, were, there was no day-to-day issue as to who was going to handle the ball. It was James Harden. And now Kyrie has been forced back into that role because of the injury to the beard. The three superstars, one ball theme. Look, in Boston, I saw it with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, and they went and won the championship. In Miami, I saw it with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and they went out and fulfilled their destiny, winning championships. Obviously, Golden State had big-time players, and with Thompson and Curry and Durant, they won championships. So it can be done. I understand the chemistry question. The hope would be that it's not going to take that long for them to get back into the swing of things. And the one point I would make just to highlight what you said, Josh, I don't know if healthy, if there's a team out there that can outscore the Nets And I don't mean just go out and beat them. I mean outscore them four times in a seven-game series. It's going to require you to score 120 to 125 points every game, potentially, to beat them. That's the kind of firepower that we're talking about. We know defense in the playoffs gets ratcheted up a level. This team can score. They can score on anybody in the league. Well, I and I've learned a lot of new words today from you with the word plays that you use. Anybody that knows Iron Eagle, the way he announces and really his play-by-play and his reactions to the Brooklyn Nets, it's phenomenal. There's nobody like it, Ryan. As you guys know, we are talking to Brooklyn Nets announcer slash TNT, TBS, CBS, you name it, he's on it. Play-by-play conglomerate. Ian Eagle. Before we let you go, I want to know your opinion right now with the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are the hottest team in basketball. Talk about Julius Randle, how he's become a superstar under Tom Thibodeau, Payne over there, Rose, Wesley. This is a totally different managed team. There's no more James Dolan. We're not hearing from Charles Oakley this year. We heard enough from Patrick Ewing, that's for sure. But we look at the New York Knicks. This is a completely different New York Knicks team. This is the number one defense in the NBA, from the worst defense in the NBA last year to number one in the league. What are your thoughts to this New York Knicks team? Quickly, all the different young players that they have, R.J. Barrett's growth. What are your thoughts to that team? 
I'm blown away, blown away by their improvement, blown away by their professionalism, blown away by the job that Tom Thibodeau has done with this team. It's hard in the NBA to improve markedly from one year to the next. It usually is baby steps. And let's take Phoenix as an example. Last year, they fell just short of the playoffs, but they were tremendous in the bubble. And if you thought that maybe Phoenix would be a team that could jump a little bit and be a five seed or a six seed, no, they took a step beyond that. And what the Knicks have done to me is very similar in how much they've improved in such a short period of time. And it really does speak to the culture and how badly they needed to change it. The best part of this, in my mind, guys, is the fact that both teams in New York are good at the same time. That's really important. If you want basketball crazed fans, I'm not talking about specifically Nets fans, specifically Knicks fans. I'm talking about New York basketball fans. If you want them to truly be immersed, both teams have to be competitive. Not one, both. And finally, we're at a point where both teams look like they've got a real shot in the postseason. The Knicks, based on their defense, based on Julius Randle playing at an all-NBA level, a perfect marriage of coach and player. Tom Thibodeau, he rides his guys hard, but the results are there. You know, look what he did in Chicago. Minnesota, although maybe guys started tuning out, I think a lot of that had to do with Jimmy Butler not being there and the balance of power shifting. And Tom Thibodeau ended up moving on. But this was a tremendous hire. This guy was born to be an NBA head coach, and he's done wonders with this team. And his work with Randall and development, you just can't ask for a more simpatico relationship. This was the perfect storm for New York and for Knicks fans. So more power to them. I hope it continues. I hope they ride it into the playoffs. And between us guys, I hope these two teams play in the postseason because that would bring the rivalry up a level. And that's really how you establish rivalries, games that matter, games that mean something, not just a regular season game in December for bragging rights locally. I'm talking about a game that could be the difference between advancing or going home in the playoffs. That's what separates rivalries. In your broadcasting career, your favorite call you've ever had or favorite game you broadcasted, and also a sport that maybe is under the radar or lesser known that you enjoy broadcasting and why? Yeah, I'll take the second one first. I got tossed into the NCAA track and field championships on CBS way back in, I want to say, 04. And I had never been to a track and field event in my life, let alone called one. (laughs) And I loved it. I ended up doing eight straight years until CBS lost the rights to ESPN. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was something about the pacing of it for a play-by-play announcer, the way I looked at it. Every race was like a touchdown call. And if it was a close race, it was exciting. If it was a dominant finish, it was equally exciting. So that's how I prepared myself mentally. And I really enjoyed it. It was once a year. It was in different locations. Austin, Texas, Sacramento, California, Iowa one year, Arkansas another year. And it ended up being a much more enjoyable experience than I ever anticipated when I accepted the gig. For me to specifically say one event that stood out, that would be way too difficult. I've been really fortunate to call a bunch of big events, sometimes on a world feed where it's broadcast internationally to English speaking countries. So 
It might be played in the United Kingdom and Israel and parts of Indonesia. I'm huge in Indonesia. I can't walk the streets of Indonesia without a mob scene. Big, big, big. But I did NBA Finals, Michael Jordan over Brian Russell, his last game as a member of the Chicago Bulls for anybody that watched the docu-series on ESPN. That was obviously a big part of it. Called that game. I called the NCAA championship game between Duke and Butler. Hayward shot, went off the rim. If it goes in, to me, it might be the greatest upset in sports history and the greatest ending in sports history. A mid-court shot to beat Duke. It comes up just off the mark, and it still was an incredible game. You name it. I've been there, and it's been fun. I'd like to say that I haven't experienced it yet. There's still a call down the road that's going to top all of them. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And when you wake up in the morning on the day of a game, you don't know if that's going to be the game. So that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me focused on doing quality work every time I go on the air. Last one from me. I got to ask you about your son, Noah. How proud of you were you just to see him do that game on Nickelodeon, see the rave reviews about the job he did, all the people that tuned into it. I mean, I watched it on that feed. It was awesome. I thought it was great. It was a creative, innovative idea to do it that way. And I think the NFL needs to do more of that. How proud of you, not just as a person, but as a father to him as well, of the job that he did that game. I appreciate the kind words, first and foremost. That means more than anything else that's been said on our interview, because when it's your kid, it hits you differently. You know, whatever accolades you receive or awards, it pales in comparison to when your son or your daughter does something people like. And the nerves for me were much higher as a dad than they've ever been as a broadcaster personally, I was doing a game at the same time as the Nickelodeon game. I was doing a net game and my phone started blowing up. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is either really good or really bad. And then I thought deeper, if it was really bad, would my phone be blowing up? Like, would I be getting text after text? Your kid is blowing it. So I figured out pretty quickly that it was positive and it was a very proud moment for me, for my wife, for our daughter, Erin, just our entire family to see Noah do so well on that stage. He's obviously been around this his whole life. He's never been intimidated by any of this. This did not seem out of reach for him. So to jump in on that kind of stage in that moment, it was pretty special. Noah is the spinning image of you. I've talked to Noah quite a few times. He's very educated. He knows what he's talking about. He has a passion and you can hear it in his voice, everything that he does. Yeah. He is the spinning image of you. And so Errol, you're saying is a very attractive man. That's, <laughs> that's basically what you're getting. That's your way of saying. I get it. I am, I'm not looking at your son that way, but if that's if that, <laughs> if that makes you feel better, I guess he is. There you go. Let's go with that. But Ian, we really appreciate you joining us. I've grown up in this business for a very long time, and you're one of the guys that I look up to, as you know. And we've become very good friends over the years, and acquaintances, really. But as the years progress, we've stayed in touch. And I love what you're doing. I love who you are as a radio guy, as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play -play guy. You really push people to want to accomplish all their goals. So it really drives all the fans out there that know who you are to want to be who you are and what you're doing in this business. No, oh, that means a lot, truly. And I appreciate it. Appreciate our relationship. Love talking to you guys. We'll do it again down the road. And hopefully one day, once we get past all this, we'll actually 
cross paths <laughs> physically. We can air hug. I don't know. We'll figure out what's acceptable <laughs> at that point. <laughs> As you guys know, the great Iron Eagle. And that was our interview with the great Iron Eagle. Uh, he has been a very good friend, uh, a person that I've looked up to for many, many years, uh, a guy that's really looked out for me in this business and has really given me some good uh, mentoring ship and, and, and really uh, one of the biggest well-known play-by-play guys we have seen in this business. So for somebody like that to put the time in to give me the opportunity to really speak and, and we have so many conversations over the years. We've had so many conversations off air just personally just getting to know who we, we who we are as as broadcasters and giving me so much information that I've taken uh, over the years to better and better situations. So I want to thank I and Eagle for joining us. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to New York Post college football reporter Zach Braziller here on the Sports Lab Mouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. And remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And ladies and gentlemen, download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, we are now going to be talking to a very well-known well writer uh, for the New York Post. And I'm, I want to welcome him for joining us. We are now talking to New York Post college football reporter, Zach Brazilla. What's going on, Zach? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm not dancing. I'm not dancing for joy. And if I have to sit next to somebody like this, I mean, do you think I'm doing good? I mean, look at this guy. I mean, look at him. I, I mean, it, there's nothing to look at. But, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I think people look at me and they say, well, why are you sitting next to this guy? But he is a very talented person. Just sometimes he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, uh, Zach, Zach tells me a lot about – I mean, I'm sorry. Josh tells me a lot about you, Zach. Uh, he knows you from working with the New York uh, – Newsday? Was it Newsday? Um, New York, New York Post. Post. New York Post. I'm sorry. I, you see? Uh, New York Post. And, and he actually uh, got to know you a little bit and – and uh, yeah. really get to know your personality and all that other stuff. So tell us a little bit about yourself so the fans get to know you and we can t- get right into the NFL draft. Um, you know, I've been, been covering college college sports for a while here. Um, about five or six years I've, you know, doing college football and college basketball. I'm a general assignment reporter, so I do do a lot of, you know, decent amount of pro stuff as well. Um, I'll be, you know, part of our mega coverage of the draft tomorrow um you know it should be a should be an interesting day here for the locals and you know just in general as you guys know we are talking to new york post college football reporter zach brazilla all right zach nfl draft number two new york jets are drafting everybody is there's no drum roll here because we all knew this for the last i would say the last two months it's zach wilson (laughs) What is your thoughts uh, to drafting Zach Wilson? Do you think he's the guy? And do you think that he's going to take the Jets to that next level? I mean, I think the most important thing for, for Zach Wilson is what he's surrounded by. I mean, we all know uh, Sam Darnold just didn't have the supporting cast, didn't have the coaching. 
uh, around him that that really he was he needed. You know, he, he had bad offensive lines. He didn't have a good enough receivers, running backs. Obviously, Adam Gase just didn't happen. Now let's see what they do here with you know a new coaching staff, a, a new quarterback. He already has some good building blocks around him with with Mackay Becton and Denzel Mims. You know, I would expect the Jets to go heavy on offense, but to me, it's it's all about what they surround this guy with. He's obviously a really talented prospect. He's got a big arm. He, you know, people say he's kind of daring. You know, there's some Brett Favre in him where he'll, you know, he, he's willing to take risks. Um, but to me, the big question is just, you know, what are they going to put around this guy? I think the Jets clearly need a running back. I think they could use another receiver. They obviously could still, you know, improve that offensive line. So that's, I mean, that's the key. I mean, when you have these young quarterbacks in the league, if you don't surround them with the talent, they things could go south fast, as we saw with the last Jets quarterback. And I think Joe Douglas understands that. Um, but now let's see him, uh, you know, put into motion here. So a lot of thoughts have been coming out with the Jets trading up potentially with their 23rd pick and maybe moving to the middle of the draft, maybe for an offensive lineman, maybe for Jalen Waddle if he falls there, what, or maybe one of the corners, the top corners, like a Horn or a Sertan. Uh, would you do that if you're the Jets, or would you just try to stay pat at 23 and work with the draft picks that you have? You know, I think it just it depends on how the draft is shaken out. If there's that guy they really want and he's there for them, I definitely think it does make sense. You know, they have, I think they have 10 picks, so they have a ton of picks. They definitely have the draft capital to move up. And, you know, let's see, like, let's, what if, if Devonta Smith maybe falls to 12 or 13 and they can get him to me, that would be a no brainer. I, I think he's going to be a big time NFL player. You know, I, I thought Mim showed you some signs last year and then they brought in a few other guys who, who are, you know, productive, proven players, but they still, I don't know if they really have that home thre- home run threat on offense, and that's something I th- I really think they're gonna they're gonna need to find eventually. You know, you look at that Jet offense. I don't think there's one guy what teams are gonna worry about. You know, are gonna keep defensive corners up at night, um, trying to figure out how they're gonna stop them. Uh, so clearly, the Jets need to upgrade the skill uh, on that offense. When you look at the quarterback rankings, Zach, I mean, we, we've heard this for months, right? Who's the best one? Is it Lawrence? Is it Fields? Is it Wilson? Now Mac Jones is in the picture. Where's Trey Lance's ceiling? So on and so forth. What is your rankings? I mean, you, you've you've covered enough college to pass to see all these guys being able to see what they are at this point. Who are your top in your order from best to worst prospect in regards to the quarterback rankings? And Lawrence is clearly number one. To me, he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. You've heard a, m- a number of experts say it. The guy's got everything. He can move. He's got a great arm. He's smart. He's proven to be a winner. Um, you know, I I think field to me, it's Justin Fields and uh, you know, and Zach Wilson are kind of right there at number two. I I think Fields is being underrated for a you know for a number of reasons. Um, I think people. Like to you know when you see these guys play and they're playing top teams, people nitpick. But to me, Fields, all Fields did is win. You know, I, I think it's a mistake if he falls past the third quarterback taken. I I know Mac Jones had this great year, but the guy's playing with pros at every position of receiver. He's got the best offensive line in the sport. You could take to me any of the top ten quarterbacks in this draft, and you would have put them on Alabama, and they would have had a year like Mac Jones. I think the Niners are making a huge mistake by taking three. I think he. I think Mac Jones is an NFL backup. Just you know, it's my opinion. 
Um, I would I would go him five, and I would go Trey Lance four. I think Lance has got some great physical attributes. Obviously, there's some uncertainty with him, you know, playing the FCS and not, you know, the lack of you know competition. But to me, he's he's a big time athlete. He's obviously he's got a ton of self confidence. I would put him four, and I would put Jones five. We are talking to New York Post college football reporter Zach Brazilla. Now, Zach, uh, we've been hearing a lot of trade talks, and and a lot of teams might be moving up for particular positions. And and there's one position uh, and one team that look is looking for a quarterback. A team that's lost their star quarterback in Tom Brady is the New England Patriots. There are stories coming out from New England, and I want to give a shout out to Jeff who was one of the first people to really uh, put this in my ear. And now it's been a story that's really reaching to the top. Uh, New England's looking to trade up to number eight with the Carolina Panthers. If Justin Fields falls out of the top five, he could fall to number eight. And Carolina's looking for a corner. Uh, there are stories coming out that they're willing, the Patriots are willing to part ways with Gilmore or even Jackson. Do you see this happening if Justin Fields falls to number eight? I still don't know if I see the Patriots trading up into that top 10. I just, I don't, I, I I don't think it'll happen. I'm not saying it won't. I just, I have a hard time seeing them trading up 10. And, you know, I've read that and, and I've heard that the Panthers, you know, they could still draft a quarterback and, you know, let, let the kid watch Darnold for a year and see, kind of see what happens there. And, you know, look, if Sam has a great year, then maybe you move him and get some picks or whatever. I don't, I don't see them trading out of the top 10. I, I think a lot would have to happen there. I, I just, I know we, like, it always feels like the eve of the draft year. There's all this talk about all these trades that are going to happen and, you know, blockbuster stuff, and and it, it doesn't quite happen. Look, it it makes sense for the Patriots. I, they obviously need a quarterback. I just I don't know if you're trading a, an all pro, you know, um, corner, a, such an important position in this league as we all know, um, just to move up in the draft. I want to take it from the college football perspective. Obviously, there was a lot of conferences this season that had shortened seasons: the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, stuff like that. Do you think that's something that hurts a player's development when it comes to their draft stock and where they will end up being in the NFL? Or could it be a positive sign where there's less wear and tear on their body and maybe they won't be as injury prone? What do you think is the, uh, the commonality ball that, between all that? Are you on one side or the other with that kind of, uh, I guess, dilemma? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of misses in this draft because of that. You know, whether it's guys who who opted out and didn't play this season, whether it's less tape to have on a kid. Obviously, we didn't have a, a traditional combine. It's it's just it's harder to assess players. I, I don't think there's any question about it. And I think you're going to see a lot of you know maybe some reaches, maybe some you know look back in a few years and like, man, I can't believe this team took took this player. Because, look, there, there are a lot of guys in this draft who haven't played football in, in two years. There are a lot of guys who maybe play but played a very, very short season. So I think it, it definitely complicates things when you consider, um, you know, this season that we just had. And, and, look, whether it was games played, whether it was the lack of a combine, lack of workouts, um, this has obviously got to be one of the more difficult drafts to analyze players. You look at the New York Giants at number 11, and they could go all over the place. They could go wide receiver. I mean, they could go offensive line. They could go linebacker with Parsons. You're hearing Devontae Smith and Michael Parsons are the two names you keep hearing. 
What do you expect the Giants to do? I mean, there's even been people saying that they could even possibly trade down and accumulate more picks. I don't see Dave Gettleman doing that. What do you, what do you see happening with the Giants at 11? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, if Smith is there, I, I think it's going to be – I think they're going to have a hard time passing on him. I know they brought in Galladay. I know, obviously, Saquon will be back, so they have weapons. But, I mean, look at look at the Kansas City Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. They had talent when they when they drafted him. But you just see a, a a playmaker like that, just how much he changes things. I don't – I don't – look, Dave Gettleman's never, you know – Never been scared of criticism, obviously. We could go all the way back to the Barkley pick. I think if Smith is there, I think they take him. Um, I know they, they could use another corner. I know Parsons is obviously intriguing, and they obviously need help at, at on the edge rushing the quarterback. But the more and more you see that Devonta Smith's going to be there, you know, sounds like some teams were turned off because he's, you know, he's light. He's only 166 pounds, which – you know, to me, I, I could care less how much he weighs. All you got to do is look at what he did to some of the best defenses in the country last year. The guy was a one-man wrecking crew. He's he's a he, he's only going to get better in the NFL. You know, he, there's only going to be he's going to be even more space for him to work with. And you pair him with Galladay and and you know and, and some of these other guys with Barkley and you know. It could be a really dynamic offense. He'd be a lot of fun to watch. I'll tell you, if he's there, I think he's the pick. We are talking to New York Post college football reporter Zach Brazilla. So, Zach, we we were just talking about trading up, and and you you were hearing about the Jets. Their stories coming out that Joe Douglas might decide to trade up and get an offensive lineman. Maybe he goes after Collins if uh, Zayvon Collins falls to him at 23. They need another pass rusher. When you look at so many different positions, and, and we saw the Miami Dolphins trade up, trade down, trade up, trade down. I mean, what else is they going to do? Are they going to sell their underwear? I, who knows? Um, what do you see the Miami Dolphins doing at number six? And here's, here's, the, here's the other quote. If you look at where the Eagles are sitting right now, do you see the Eagles getting the player that they need? And I think Devontae Smith would be perfect for – uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, especially at the wide receiver position, where where do you see these both both these teams moving and, and, and drafting? You know, I think the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins know they need more. They need more at the skill position for Tua. I think if Pitts is there, which we don't know if he will be, but if he's there, I think they take him. I can see Waddle. You know, Jamar Chase. I, I think the Dolphins are going to look to to add to that, add to what they have at the skill position. Um, they're clearly going all in with Tua, and they need to give him the weapons to be successful. You know, the one thing for the Eagles with Smith, I mean, he could be gone. You know, we don't we don't know if he'll be there. Um, you know, the Eagles obviously could use some help um, all over the place. <laughs> you could say that, but again. you know that that's another you know that's another team. They have another they have a young quarterback, so I think they're gonna they're, they're gonna definitely look. To, to improve and make and make his life easier. I think the one you got to look at these teams with 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 young quarterbacks. You got to put players around them. I mean, we obviously Mahomes is now just out of this world. He's in a he's in a you know his own stratosphere. But the way he came into that system with all that talent around him was clearly huge in his development. And you just compare it to some of these other guys. I mean, look at look at Baker Mayfield. He had a ton of, you know, he had a lot of talent around him. That's really, really helped his development. So I think these teams see the look at the best young quarterbacks in the league and they see why they've been good. And they look at some of the quarterbacks who maybe didn't pan out and see why they weren't good. And look, you know, 
you need to you need to make life easier on them. Play, being a being a young quarterback in the NFL is incredibly challenging. It's it's daunting. It's so difficult, especially when you don't have elite talent around you or at least quality talent around you. So I you know I think I think obviously if the Eagles can get Smith, I would I would think they'll go for it. It'll be interesting kind of with the with the Giants and the Eagles now here back to back. Zach, if I'm a Giants fan. If the Giants pass on Devontae Smith and then the Eagles take him, I will literally lose it if that happens. <laughs> I don't I I don't think the Giants are passing on him. I I, I hope not, I, but Dave Gettleman's I don't, very strange. I don't, you know what though? But Gettleman has been a guy who's obviously gone to offense when people maybe have questioned it. He's you know, his always his big thing is, you know, it's he's he's always best player available. And look, at, at eleven, if Smith is there, I think you're gonna have a hard time you know, finding a better player available than him right there. Look, who knows? Maybe, maybe he goes higher. I personally would make, he would be my first wide receiver off the, off the board. And, you know, I know people love Jamar Chase. I know Waddle, you know, obviously he's a big time talent, but I, I don't know how you can watch what Smith did last year and just see how, how much he stepped up when Waddle was out and just, you know, just just annihilated teams. I mean, do we remember what he did to Sean Wade in Ohio State in in the national championship game? I, I mean, I I don't know how he's not a top five, top six pick, but all signs indicate that he's going to probably somewhere you know eight to twelve or so, which I think gives the Giants a shot. So speaking of best player available, I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have the Giants taking an edge rusher, which I'm personally against because I don't really see the edge rushing talent being that great. My favorite is Ajiz Ojolari. Obviously, just came off a knee surgery, but he's my favorite when healthy, and I don't even have him as anything more than a late first-round grade. But a lot of edge rushers have been going to the Giants in a lot of mock drafts between uh, Owe and uh, Rousseau and Quiddy Pay, guys like that. Could you see value for the Giants taking an edge rusher at 11 if those receivers are gone per se and maybe make that kind of scheme work? Or do you think it would be a significant reach? I think that's a reach. It's really not a good top of the draft for edge rushers. I mean, you meant all those guys you mentioned are kind of probably more mid to late teens, maybe even early 20s. I mean, I've seen some some mocks that have, you know, have Russo to the Jets at 23. Um, I I think I think that would be a mistake by the Giants. I I think you're reaching there. I think if you're the Giants, I think you go Smith or you go corner. I, I don't. I think that's a I think that'd be a mistake. And look, yes, they need help there. There's no question about it. But you can find those guys in the second or third round. They're they're out there. I just don't see the value at 11 going for one of those guys. Zach, who's a guy in this draft that nobody is talking enough about that you think stands out in your eyes? You know, Jeff likes to say it's the eye test, right? That's that's, right. That, that's what you have to use. Use your eyeballs. So who's the guy that you see that nobody is giving enough credit to in this draft? Like, I know we are, we're all in this, you know, this time where everyone kind of undervalues running backs. But I, I think the two top running backs are going to be t- fantastic NFL players. I, I think Najee Harris is just un- unbelievable. You know, I, I've been a Travis Etienne fan since his freshman year. These are both guys that really – fit the the modern day running back. They block, they catch the ball out of the backfield. They can run between the tackles, especially Harris, probably more so than, than Etienne. Um, if I'm a Jeff fan, I, I know there'll be a segment that'll be upset if their second first round picks are running back. But man, I, if Harris is there, I, I think the Jets might have a tough time passing on him. I, I think he's a tremendous talent. And I don't even think people realize how good he is because he was a bit overshadowed at Alabama with with obviously Smith and Mac Jones and how they how often they threw the ball. But this is the guy who blocks at a high level. He catches the ball. He runs it. He's 
he's a specimen. I I think both running backs are going to be very, very good NFL players, which is why you're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of mocks, you're seeing them late first round because it's, you know, it's kind of become, you know, out of touch to now even think running back to be first round picks. But to me, you know, especially when you look at a team like the Jets that really don't have a guy there they can really count on. I think one of those guys, especially Harris, would make a lot of sense. As you guys know, we are talking to New York Post college football reporter Zach Brazilla. Now, Zach, this is my last question. You look at this year's draft, and I asked Ian in our interview on Monday, which we pre-recorded and we played it before your interview. Um, it's interesting because of the season and, and being that there was COVID-19, a lot of these players didn't have much of a season or didn't play at all. When you look at this year's draft from last year's draft and really the last three or four years, do you see players being drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds that could be first or second round talent being that they didn't have much of a season this year? Yeah, like I said, I think you're going to I think you're going to see um a lot of misses because there's so much fewer stuff to to you know, there's fewer there's less film. There's there's less um you know, we went through the whole combine situation. There's just less to to analyze, so I think it gives guys less of a chance. If if you're not that big name, it gives the guys, you know, less of a chance to move up. You know, sometimes you have guys who just show so much at the combine, and they can move up from a fourth round to a second round, a third round to a first round, and that obviously just isn't the case this year. You know, and especially look at some of these smaller school guys who really didn't even get a season because the the FCS most of the FCS programs are playing in the spring so they're not they're not they're not having a season at all um I think you you are going to see I think some some sleepers guys that get picked later on become big time players and probably should have been picked higher but it's it's hard to to knock teams and scouts because there just isn't that 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 film and that and those examples to use Last question for me, two-part question. Uh, bold prediction, one bold prediction that you think happened, and a trade that maybe you think makes sense that nobody's talking about. I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say the Jets trade trade up for a, for a good offensive lineman. Into the, into the, you know, maybe around 15 or 16. The big key for them for with Zach Wilson is they gotta they got to make, you know, they gotta provide the talent around them. Now they're real happy with with you know with Lafleur as his offense coordinator. They have Beckton, but they need more help on that line. And you you could you beef up that line, and then maybe you get a running back in the second or third round. That offense isn't look you know starting to look a little bit better. So that I guess that would be one of my uh, one of my bold predictions. Last one for me, Zach. What is a team that worries you going into this draft that you just see saying, I already know for a fact that they're going to screw this pick up so badly? I would say the Texans, but they don't even have a first-round pick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) My – I like what the Seahawks did today. They yeah. did uh, Jamal Adams as their first round pick for this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Jamal can play, so no, uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, I'll be interested to see what the Jaguars do. I, I mean, obviously, not with number one, but with with their other pick and what what they do, 
what they do deeper in that draft. Obviously, Ur- Urban Meyer, you know, leading the way there, first time as an NFL coach. I'm very interested to kind of see what they're doing, and I think they could do. They might, you know, might do some different things that could surprise some people. Um, you know, obviously the Cowboys are always interesting. It, it really sounds like they're going defense. I mean, Jerry Jones has talked about how they can get a really good defensive player about 15 times in the last two weeks. So I, I would think the Cowboys will definitely, definitely go defense. It should be a fun night though. You know, the NFL drafts always, always fun, at least the first night until it, you know, until it drags. I, I remember one year I was covering the draft and I was doing like a feature on a prospect who was supposed to get in the third round. And I spent like the entire weekend at his house and, uh, he never even got drafted, so that was uh, quite. I've never. I, after that, I was like, I'm not watching the draft for like five years because it was. I watched every single pick. I wanted to blow my brains out. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy the draft, especially the first night. I like how they've now broken it up into three nights, and it should be fun. You know, the Giants at eleven is very interesting. The Jets' second pick is very interesting. I still can't believe the 49ers trade up third to draft Mac Jones. I, I think it's a huge mistake. I. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why people are so down on Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. He fits in perfectly with what the NFL does now. I think he's a bigger Russell Wilson. But you know, we'll see. It should be a, you know, it should be a fun night and a fun weekend in what's you know a pretty busy time of the year in sports. Zach, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Um, you could uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at nypost underscore Brazil. That's B R A Z I L L E. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you know, I, I like to go back and forth with fans. I'm sure uh, all the St. John's basketball fans could attest to that. Uh, but uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me at all. I'll be one of our many people on the draft tomorrow night, and it <laughs> should be uh, should be a good one. Are you going to the draft? No, no, no. Um, I'll be I'll be on my couch like I've basically been doing almost everything besides a few baseball games. I don't even, I don't believe we're setting anyone, um, you know, in this social media world. But it's nice to it's nice to see the draft kind of somewhat getting back to normal um, in Cleveland. And um, just the fact that it's going to be in Cleveland that makes it just dreadful. Oh yeah. So we could used well, to know, make the able to make the jokes of picks are more common there three years no, ago, but now no, they're actually the good. The one. It, the one in Vegas was better because once Joe Burrow found out he was getting stunted by the Bengals, he could jump into the water when the boat was taking him to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Browns fans, I'm sure we pumped up. I mean, it's like the first it's like the first time in years where like the draft isn't like their season. So <laughs> Wow. I will tell you this, Zach. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking you out on social media on what you think of the picks of the Giants and the New York Jets. And don't be surprised if New England moves up at number eight and gets Justin Fields. I, I, I have a feeling. That, wouldn't, I, will, I, I'll, I don't think it'll happen, but, man, wouldn't that be something? I have a feeling it's going to happen. Errol has a bad feeling as a Jets he, fan. He's <laughs> yeah. smart enough to realize how good Justin Fields is. You know, unlike well, a lot of these other teams. Well, Mon- so. why don't you listen to the show as we move forward? Because right after we get Austin on, um, I-, I have – I actually relived uh, so much footage. I watched clips and highlights of every single quarterback. Three three games last night. I stayed up till 3.30 in the morning to go back and, and uh, really regrade the quarterbacks in this class. And I think you're going to really think it's interesting on how – Who's your top five? Um, I'm, you're going to have to listen right after Austin. I'm going right. to go right into that. So come, uh, right. Austin's coming on at 10-10. Uh, we'll be on with him for a half an hour, and then I think you're going to really be interested on what I okay. thought about the uh, what I think about the quarterback class this year. I kind of switched it. It went from so many different 
thoughts, and, and, and I really had to rearrange this because I really studied it last night. Footwork, uh, uh, position uh, moving out inside and out of the pocket, the way they throw inside and out of the pocket, their release uh, rates, everything, their size of their hands. It's so interesting, and I, I have all my information once we get uh, once we're done with, with our, our great interview with uh, Pro Football Focus content director Austin Gale. Um, I'm definitely going to go over that, and then we're going to be doing our mock draft. So sounds like a uh, sounds fun, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it, man. Zach, Absolutely a pleasure uh, having you on, Zach Brazilla, ladies and gentlemen, New York Post college football analyst. Great, great mm-hmm. guy. I, I, I can see why you like him. I can see why you like him. So He's go. a good guy. We, we worked a lot together. He was more, when I was working there at the time, he was more with me in the office doing like, we were basically doing breaking news stories and having to go out there at the blink of an eye. They had me cover the NHL draft. Mm. Um, when uh, Nathan I feel McQuen, bad for them. Um, I feel bad for them ever having you cover anything. Let me tell you. Well, <laughs> thanks. That gives, that gives Jeff more content to give me bashful for. So you're, you're, you're a great sport. But anyway, uh, no, I got to interview Nathan McKinnon, Jonathan Drew, and Seth Jones. So that was awesome. And then um, it was a cool thing to do. I got to interview Mariana Rivera. So that was another cool thing they set me up for. So I always appreciate it. All right. Well, let's get our next guest in. Why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we will be talking to Pro Football Focus Contact Director Austin Gale here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Little freeway. I, I like it. I like it. A little spin. You know, when I look at Josh's face, it kind of scares me when I look at sp- freeway with a big beard. I got Speedy Petey sitting next to me. Sometimes I wonder if he's, uh, he looks like a goat, you know? I, 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 that's what he looks like. But he looks like a goat. He does. He looks like a little goat. As you guys know, this is Sports uh, Loudmouths. We're live Wednesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, guys, I told you we were going to have such classy people on this show today, and I did some research on this guy, and I was very happy when I heard that we were getting him on the show. We are now talking to Pro Football Focus Content Director Austin Gale. What's going on, Austin? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, well, well. Austin, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about yourself, what made you uh, become an analyst, and, and, and why you write, and all the content you do for Pro Focus, um, a Pro Football Focus, con- uh, and being the director. Uh, what is it like doing that? Yeah, um, deep cut. You know, I graduated from San Diego State in May of 2017. You know, got an offer to work with Pro Football Focus on a small basis, uh, working full-time on the content side, and then I've kind of slowly – you know, worked my way into creating more content and now managing the content team here at PFF. It's been a ton of fun. Why I got into it, I think it's why, you know, anyone even watches sports. It's just a really fun, it's a fun business. It's a fun thing to be a part of. It's not necessarily like, you know, putting together things like life insurance and stuff like that. You can actually put together content around things that people enjoy. You're creating content for, you know, people that just really want to have fun. So I do think that um, that's the biggest reasons why I went into it. And I think Pro Football Focus has been great for the, I think, four years next month I've been with them. Well, that's a long time, and that's why you are what you are, and what you do is what you do. So uh, it's it's real. And I've I've been reading some of your stories and some of the stuff that uh, a lot of the guys over there at Pro Football Focus are doing right now. It's it's great stuff. It's great content. 
Um, so a lot of we get into the draft. It's so interesting. We just we were just on the phone. Uh, we, well, we were just on our feed with uh, Zach Brazilla, um, the writer for New York Post for college football. So your take on this year's draft, this quarterback class, everybody is really rating the quarterbacks. I mean, it goes from Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson to Justin Fields to Trey Lance to, I don't know, everybody and their mother. And everybody keeps rating them in different positions. Who do you think is the number one quarterback as far as style, as far as, far as uh, uh, control at the pocket? Who do you think is the number one guy as far as your rating is concerned? And where do you see these guys developing in? And who do you think is going to develop into that superstar type of player? Yeah, I really do think that the best quarterback in this class has been the best quarterback really since he was an eighth grader. It's Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. I do think he's been that good. I think what he's done on the national stage being the number one quarterback prospect we've seen a long time, the number one overall recruit. I think he and Justin Fields were one and two coming out of Georgia for ESPN, Rivals, and 24-7 Sports. He's been the big dog for a long time, and he's really lived up to expectation. I think he's got one of the better arms in this class. He's a legitimate athlete, has the size, the composure, the athleticism, all these different types of things. It's, it's hard for him to fail at the next level. I think there's some, you know, some shoddy spots of inaccuracy on his tape. There's some, there's some situations where maybe he pushes the ball is a little bit too aggressive down the football field, takes more risks than other quarterbacks might. But you know, that latter part there, I mean, he takes risks because he can hit them. You know, he can hit those throws down the football field. So I do think that you like to see that level of confidence from a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. He has all the confidence, confidence in the world and, and rightfully so. I think he's um, the number one quarterback for me. He's the number one quarterback for a lot of people. I really don't think the Jags can go wrong drafting Trevor Lawrence at number one overall. So a lot of the rumors now with the 49ers have been with Mac Jones. Now Mac Jones is their guy, not Justin Fields, not Trey Lance. That's why they traded up to three. Do you think it would be a drastic reach if they do that, drafting him over Justin Fields, who is allegedly supposed to be the second or third best quarterback? Or do you think there's a, there's a reason for it? You think it's a good fit for Kyle Shanahan? And maybe something with your metrics that you use with pro football focus that maybe benefits Mac Jones in that offense over a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, I think it has gotten to a point where, like, drastic reach or he's not even an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo has been kind of a little bit overstated. I, I think Mac Jones is still a very good quarterback prospect. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, is top 15 on PFS draft board for a reason. Is he better than Justin Fields? Not in my opinion. I think there's a conversation between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, whether, you know, it depends on what type of quarterback you want to work with. But I really don't think there is a conversation between Justin Fields and Mac Jones. I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback prospect that will be available to the San Francisco 49ers at three. Now, I'm not going to talk my way into why Mac Jones makes more sense for Kyle Shanahan. The best quarterback that makes sense for Kyle Shanahan is the best prospect. And that, in my opinion, is Justin Fields. Justin Fields this past season and over the past three years is the most accurate quarterback according to college fo- you know, uh, pro football focuses ball charting but at every single level of the football field, five to 10 yards, 10 plus yards, 20 plus yards, the most accurate quarterback we've seen. Mac Jones is not better than him in that regard. Where you see the difference, you know, Mac Jones operated an offense with really good timing, anticipatory thrower, not necessarily the big arm guy, but got the ball out of his hands quickly. Well, Justin Fields, you know, the average route depth in that Ohio State offense is absurd. They run a lot of choice routes down the football field. You almost have to hold the ball a little bit longer in Ohio State's offense because it's such a downfield passing attack. There, but there are times where he holds it too long. There are times where you'd like to see him get rid of the football, hit his check down, and those things. It's very similar to some of the concerns we had with Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson. A guy that even to this day has held the ball a little bit too long at times can feel like he's a superhero put on that cape when, hey, you need to just check the ball down. And the, the problem is that Justin Fields puts the superhero cape on because he can be. You know, 4-4 speed, big athlete, like a smaller Cam Newton. I do think that we are overthinking Justin Fields. We are drastically, drastically overthinking Justin Fields. And the reason is 
when the San Francisco 49ers made that trade up from 12 to 3, you know, reports were initially that they made that trade up to go get Mac Jones. And now, rather than spending time on why that's not a good decision, we we're trying to talk ourselves into why one of the smartest you know, coaches in the NFL, smartest offensive minds in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan, wants Mac Jones to a point where we're pushing Justin Fields down board with things like epilepsy and held back in eighth grade and <laughs> doesn't know the game. Like it, it's absurd to me because we are as a media trying to figure out why the player we thought they would take at three isn't going to be the guy. And then you find yourselves making these things up, not making things up, but you know, over overrating some of the cons in Justin Fields game and then trying to talk your way into Mac Jones and, and why an analogy someone made to me recently that I liked is that, you know, Mac Jones is the guy that comes in with a really, really hot girlfriend. And everyone's like, wait, 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 what's going on here? Something's got to be happening. How, how's this guy, you know, how's this guy get this out of a girlfriend? So now we're looking at the positives in Mac Jones and now trying to hi- highlight the negatives in Justin Fields. In regards to Zach Wilson, I mean, that's the talk, right? The Jets are probably going to take him at number two. That's, uh, we all would be shocked if that didn't happen. What is it that you like about Zach Wilson, things that you don't like? Is it a matter of, I mean, his pocket presence is great. You see him off the ball as well. When you see him with his back foot, when you see his back foot throw during his pro day, everything like that. I mean, they're saying the Mormon version of Patrick Mahomes, which is to set it up for scale. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson as a whole as a prospect? Yeah, I mean, I think the positives have been it talked about a ton. He's got crazy arm talent, guy that can put it anywhere he wants. He's got that arm talent that teams covet now. You know, you talk about the cliche, make all the throws. That's what teams want. Teams want Mahomes. Teams want Josh Allen. Teams want Jordan Love. Teams want Aaron Rodgers. These guys that can make all the throws. That's what people want. And I think that's what Zach Wilson brings to the table. Now, what doesn't get brought up enough is, is the concerns you have with, you know, previous year's film. Yes, he was battling injuries, but still did not see the level of Zach Wilson that we saw this past year. His offensive line was one of the highest graded in the country. Brady Christensen, the highest graded offensive tackle in all of college football this past year. He had all day to throw. Among the all five of the top quarterbacks in this class, he had the lowest percentage of dropbacks where he was pressured. It's a lot easier to throw the football when you're not pressured. That's according to PFF grades. That's also according to common sense. So I do think that Zach Wilson, there's a lot of reasons to just temper expectations. You know, it's not necessarily that there's a lot of concerns with him as a prospect. It's not necessarily that he's not worth a top three pick in this draft, but let's temper some expectations here. It shouldn't be minus 10,000 that Zach Wilson goes to New York Jets too. I think Justin Fields should be in the conversation for the number two overall pick. Obviously, we know the San Francisco 49ers making the trade the same day as Zach Wilson's pro day in Provo, Utah. There was obviously a tip that the Jets were locking into just Zach Wilson. And for the same reasons we're talking ourselves into Mac Jones, we're talking about why the Jets are infatuated with Zach Wilson. You also have analysts like Chris Sims putting Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. People will see Zach Wilson as one of the better quarterback prospects in this class. But that shouldn't keep us from tempering expectations. Don't put the Hall of Fame gold jacket on him just yet. I do think you need to see him do it against good competition. Need to see him do it against, you know, do it for more than just one year at BYU, a COVID impacted season. Do it against good, you know, the other game that doesn't get brought up enough is the Coastal Carolina game. Still graded, I think, in the 80.0 range, but did not show up to win that game. They were 10 and a half point favorites, lost outright against Coastal Carolina. We need him to show up in big games. He hasn't played a big game yet. You know, uh, of all the quarterbacks, again, in this class, he's played the lowest percentage of snaps trailing. You know, that's, again, another concern. He's going to see some adversity in the NFL out of the game. As you guys know, we are talking to pro football Focus content director Austin Gale. Now, Austin, uh, it's so interesting uh, on your thoughts of Zach Wilson. And I did a lot of studying in the last, I would say, the last 24 hours. I spent probably four and a half, three and a half hours yesterday watching film and really studying why I think Zach Wilson, and and I'm going to say this not because I'm a Jet fan. 
I think Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in this class, and I'm going to give a lot of people my information on what I saw on film and, and really get into depth of why I think some of these quarterbacks are graded lower than they should be. I think they should be graded a little bit higher. But your thoughts to where you see the New England Patriots going at number 15. There are stories coming out that if Justin Fields falls to eight, they will move up. They will trade either Gilmore or Jackson and move all the way up from 15 to eight. What are your thoughts to that? And where do you see um, at, at certain positions in this draft, like Miami or even the Cowboys, what the Cowboys could do if Kyle Pitts falls to maybe seven or eight, maybe they move up and get Kyle Pitts because we know Jerry loves him. Uh, what are your thoughts to that? Yeah, I do think if you look at betting markets right now, the favorite to be the first position drafted by the New England Patriots in 2021 is quarterback at plus 200. I don't think they're necessarily going to wait till eight, though. I think they would wait till probably seven with the Detroit Lions. See, that is an opportunity to trade up and go grab Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields, if you look at betting markets, minus 150 to go inside the first seven and a half picks. I think that's because the Detroit Lions are a prime trade down spot. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Looking at win totals for next season, the only team with a lower win total is the Houston Texans. We don't really have to talk about how bad that franchise is in right now. So I do think that the Detroit Lions are a prime trade-back spot. And New England, especially with Denver, potentially now committing to a quarterback room that consists of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, could be in a prime position to trade up from 15 to 7 and go grab Justin Fields. A Justin Fields that is falling for no apparent reason. You know, Maybe just based off interest in Cal Shanahan and what he prefers at the quarterback position, New England would be very smart to go up and get Justin Fields, whether they're trading up to 7 or trading up to 8. The reason I have reservations about 8 is it just doesn't make a ton of sense even with trading the second round pick for Sam Darnold for the Carolina Panthers to pass on Justin Fields if he falls to eight. If, if the Carolina Panthers were a Sam Darnold away from not needing help at quarterback, what are we talking about? I mean, this has been one of the lowest graded quarterbacks in the NFL for the past three seasons. Do we expect him to make a Ryan Tannehill like leap away from Adam Gase potentially, but why not have another option there at quarterback? Why not bring in Justin Fields if he falls to you at eight and then have them compete between the two and start the best one. You know, it's kind of similar to what you know, the Cleveland Browns you go back to. A lot of people thought they were going to start to Rod Taylor. And Hugh Jackson did. Ask the coach to start the best guy. He starts to Rod Taylor. That guy's not coaching much longer. Baker Mayfield takes over. Start the best quarterback. Have the best quarterback room. And the Carolina Panthers could be in a good position to do so. I like the Patriots trading up. It's just spent $135 million in guaranteed money in one offseason. The second most we've ever seen from any team in a single offseason. What does that tell me? They need a cheap quarterback. You're not going to be able to have that much money on the books and not have a quarterback on a rookie contract. That's just what it is. So I do think they ultimately trade up. It could be at seven. It could be at eight to go get a QB. I'm a Giants fan, and a lot of mock drafts have had the Giants taking an edge rusher, which I think is a big reach in this kind of draft. A lot of the edge rushers, I think, are late first-round talents at best. Uh, Are there metrics with pro football focus or anything that you have researched that say maybe if the receivers aren't there or maybe Rashawn Slater's not there for the Giants that there's a particular edge rusher that could be a decent value at number 11 if they stay there, or even, even if they trade back a little bit too, maybe in the middle of the first round? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, this is an interesting edge class. Right now I see it as a tier, you know, tier one is Quidipe of Michigan, Jalen Phillips of Miami, Jason Owe of Penn State, and then Azizo Jolari of Georgia in that first tier. But I really don't want to be taking any of these guys until probably like pick 18, pick 20, because so much of their, you know, prospect is projection. You know, Pay needs to get a lot better in the NFL to be legitimate. J- Jalen Phillips has one good season at Miami, you know, Miami, Florida, and then has the concussion concerns. Has also other injury concerns that keep him from the football field. Jason Owe didn't have a sack last year. Uh, Aziz Ojolari has a de- degenerative lower leg issue. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned with this edge class. 
to a point where you don't want to really be the first team to take one off the board, especially at 11. I'd be much more interested in taking Devontae Smith there at 11. I think his prop right now is at 11 and a half. I like him at 11 in New York Giants. If they're a, you know, if you're a football team that is a Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard away from not needing a wide receiver, I'm sorry. That's just not the case. You need to get upgrades at those positions. I think Devontae Smith would be a good option for New York. If not, trading back, potentially getting involved in this edge class, I think starts to make more sense and pick 18 to 30. When you look at what the New York Jets have, they also, I think the more interesting pick for them is a 23rd overall pick because people are saying with that second extra, that extra second round pick that they have next year, I mean, they have draft capital up the wazoo for the next two years. If somebody falls, I mean, I'm even hearing rumors. Yes, I am that rumor guy. <laughs> I am hearing rumors that, um, so thanks, Carl, um, that, you know, if Rashawn Slater somehow falls or somebody like that falls, that the Jets could go up to 13 or 14. And maybe trade up to get a Slater and, and Elijah Vera Tucker, even get involved in maybe the Jalen Waddles sweepstakes and go that far. What do you see the Jets doing with that 23rd overall pick? And then my other question is, who is the guy that we're not talking about enough in this draft? Is it a Zayvon Collins? Is it somebody that's underrated that nobody's giving enough props to leading up to tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be – I would advise against the New York Jets, you know, leveraging future draft capital to trade up for a non-quarterback. And it's it's really very simple. They're not in a window. You know, the New York Jets are not in a Super Bowl winning window yet. We don't know what Zach Wilson's going to be in New York. And so you feel like you're in a window. And so you feel like you have a roster and a quarterback that's competent enough to go the distance. It doesn't make a ton of sense to throw the kitchen sink at, you know, trading up to get that last piece, like what Tampa Bay did with Tristan Wurfs and what other teams have done in the past when they feel like they're a piece away. The Jets aren't a piece away. The Jets are multiple players away. It's the reason why they should leverage that draft capital, even potentially trade down if they want to add to this roster. I mean, I still think the offensive line could use work. I think defensively there's a lot of pieces that they could add. I really like Greg Newsom of Northwestern going to 20, at 23 to the New York Jets. I think that's an option. I think they could also add, add offensive tackle. I saw a mock draft recently that had Tevin Jenkins of Oklahoma State going to the New York Jets at 23, pair him up with Mekhi Becton. You know, there were Jets fans probably, what, two months ago they were talking about maybe pay, taking Panay Sewell at number two overall, get the big uglies. I mean, Tevin Jenkins at 23, I think that's an option too. And in the second round, there's potential at this wide receiver class. You can add a decent slot type there. So I think the Jets are in a really good position to pick with the picks they've got, if not trade down. They're not in a window. Do not trade up for non-quarterbacks, especially in the first round when that's going to cost you future second-round picks. And it's going to be that much harder to recruit value. In terms of a player I don't think we're talking about enough, I'll say Asante Samuel Jr., you know, Florida, uh, Florida State cornerback that a lot of people are pegging is just a slot in the next in the NFL. Everyone I talk to says, you got to try this kid on the outside. I was talking to Darius Butler today, who will be on uh, PFF's draft show, also former uh, NFL defensive back. I think he said, you know, Asante Samuel Jr., this guy can play on the outside. I don't care about his arm length. I don't care about his athleticism. He's got some of the best film in the country, and I would agree with you. I, I think Asante Samuel Jr. isn't in that tier one of cornerbacks. That includes Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn. Um, Greg Newsom and Caleb Farley, but he's in a tier two by himself because I think Asante Samuel Jr. is that fifth cornerback off the board where I feel really confident in being a capable starter, capable starter in the NFL. After that, there's some slot types you could like Elijah Molden of Washington, Aaron Robinson of UCF, and then some project outside corners, Ifatu Melifanu of Syracuse, Tay Gowan, UCF, both the Georgia guys and uh, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell. I think Asante Samuel Jr., that tier two by himself, a first round player in my opinion. As you guys know, we are talking to Pro Football Focus content director Austin Gale. Austin, I, we, we talk about pass rushers. We talk about linebackers. And this year, there's not many. And um, 
Obviously, Parsons, everybody keeps talking about if he falls to the Giants, the Giants should grab him and snatch him up. We've been hearing the Broncos. And now Zavian Collins. And everybody keeps talking, even our fans over here, they love Zavian Collins. They think he's the best pass rusher in this year's draft class. Uh, he's very underrated, six foot four, 260 pounds, runs a four six seven, unbelievable talent. Where do you see... Uh, uh, these pass rushes, these linebackers falling, and do you think Zaven Collins is the number one pass rusher in this draft class? Man, that's tough. I don't think anyone's phrased that question to me. I do think that the pass rushers ultimately go in the you know you see three or four go in the first round. That's here for you know that's here I talked about earlier. I think Aziz Ojulari could slip out of the first round with some of the medical flags that came up at the medical check, uh, medical combine or whatever that was. I think Zaven Collins. Best pass rusher in this draft, if we're going to include linebackers, is Micah Parsons. You know, Micah Parsons, if he converted to edge rusher, would be the best pass rusher in this class. Sam Collins, a very talented player in his own right. I think he you know, reminds me a lot of Dante Hightower. I know other people have made that comp as well. I think Zayvon Collins can be that kind of player in the NFL in the right system. You know, people mock him to certain teams that don't blitz their linebackers, and I leave myself scratching my head. So you're not going to play Zayvon Collins in the NFL uh, if you're not rushing the passer like what Brian Flores does with Miami or Bill Belichick in New England. So he's going to have to go to a specific defense. I know teams have talked to him about playing different roles in the, in the, at the next level, but he's a rare specimen. Like you said, 6'4", 260. I think he weighed in at 270 at the medical combine. The guy can you know, fluctuate weight pretty easily. I do like that. Um, Saban Collins, probably a round two player for me. I think in the first round, when you factor in positional value and just how much linebackers impact the football field and how much they're paid at the market rate, I like them, him as more of a second round player. And I think, you know, after Michael Parsons, who will fall due to character yellow flags, you know, it's hard to speak to if they're red or not, but yellow flags for sure. Him and Jeremiah Wusukormo are likely to go in the first round. After that, I think Team C, Nick Bolton of Missouri is a second-round player. Saban Collins could sneak in the back end of the first round. Um, Jamin Davis is a crazy athlete coming out of Kentucky, but has not played a lot of football. He could sneak into the first round. It'll be interesting because I think linebacker is one of those positions that's starting to get devalued in the NFL, especially if you can't cover. I think the only you know linebacker you really feel good about covering, um, or linebackers you feel good about covering in this class are Jeremiah Wusukormola and then Michael Parsons. After that, you're projecting a lot of um, development with some of these other guys. So one of our fans, Carl, actually asked a very good question. A lot of people have been criticizing uh, Devontae Smith, thinking he might fall to the third receiver or even the fourth receiver below Jalen Waddle, below Rashad Bateman and other guys because of his size, yet Smith was taller than Jamar Chase in some instances. Are you worried about his physical build at all, his, his lack of size, only 166 pounds, maybe only six feet tall? Or do you think he's an exception to that rule that we've seen because he's so talented as a route runner and even as a possession receiver, his hands are very good? I definitely think he's an exception for something because I think his weight, though concerning, he's overcome a lot of it. You know, where you see low weight, where you see a player that's 166 to 170 pounds, where you see that show up negatively is in press coverage. And he's been the highest graded player in press coverage over the past two seasons. You also see that show up in contested catch situations. He's been one of the best contested catch receivers in the college football. So I do think that he's overcome a lot of the weight stuff. I do think he'll be an outlier if he produces in the NFL. The only player to weigh in 100, uh, under 170 pounds in the last two decades and have a 1,000-yard season is Deshaun Jackson. I'll tell you right now, Deshaun Jackson's a lot faster than Devontae Smith. So he's going to be an outlier. To come in and produce at a level at 166, 170 pounds, he's going to be an outlier. But I think we saw that. In, at Alabama, I mean, we first Heisman winner since Desmond Howard. I think that's obviously a huge positive um, for Devontae Smith. I also think he's really a technician as a route runner, technician with his you know, ball skills, that type of stuff is really going to show up in the NFL. Do, am I concerned? A li- am I? He's not Calvin Johnson. 
He's not Julio Jones. Like, that's not what Devontae Smith is. But what he can be is a very competent outside receiver in the NFL, a guy that will start in, you know, multiple thousand-yard seasons. So I'm not as concerned um, as other analysts are. And when I talk to cornerbacks that have gone against Devontae Smith, last thing they bring up is his weight. Sean Wade says he toasted him. You know, Eric Stokes talks about how hard he is to cover. I don't think uh, defensive backs are, are, are too worried about his weight either. Two teams that I find fascinating coming up in this draft tomorrow. One is the Atlanta Falcons. And people are saying, well, they're probably going to take Kyle Pitts. But the thing is, Matt Ryan is already in his mid-30s, and they don't really have a quarterback of the future that's coming their way anytime soon unless they draft one. That's one. I mean, could they surprise people in drafting Justin Fields? And the Chicago Bears are the other team because the Bears signed Andy Dalton. They were thinking they were going to get Sean Watson. They offered the big package. It obviously didn't go through. Are the Chicago Bears in the market to be another team that could possibly maybe trade up somehow to get one of these quarterbacks, maybe a Mac Jones, if he does somehow fall from the point, which I don't think he will, maybe a Trey Lance or somebody like that? I, I do think that the Atlanta Falcons are locking into the best non-quarterback in this class, you know, former Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. And that's because you go back to in free agency, they slipped it under the door. They restructure Matt Ryan's contract to a point where they're pot committed to him for two years. Like you can't get out of Matt Ryan's contract via trade or release for the next two seasons. Why would you take a quarterback and ruin that opportunity to leverage a rookie contract and how cheap it is with Matt Ryan, you know, on that deal? You know, the fact of the matter is whether the Falcons like it or not, they are in a Super Bowl winning window. They are pot committed to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Grady Jarrett, their three highest paid players, to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Those three players take up 39% of their salary cap. One of the worst cap situations we see right now in the NFL. It's why they're receiving calls about Julio Jones. They need to go win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan or blow it up. That's going to happen in the next two years. How do you win a Super Bowl fast? I don't think there's a defensive player at number four overall. That makes a ton of sense. Kyle Pitts is the best nine quarterback in this class. And I don't think they're going to get a trade partner that's going to give up a 49ers-like package, two future first and a third, to come up to four. I think Denver is calming on the quarterback market. New England would have to trade a lot more than what San Francisco did as well. I doubt they want to do that, especially with Detroit likely there to trade up. So I think Atlanta's going to get stuck in at four and take the best nine quarterback, and I think that is Kyle Pitts. We are talking to pro football-focused content director Austin Gale. Austin, this is the last question for me. I look at this year's draft, and it's so interesting when we talk about so many positions that are very highly rated. We talk about the offensive line, the corners. Uh, there's not many pass rushers. We talk about the quarterback class that in the next two years, there's not enough quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about. That's why, that's why a lot of teams like the San Francisco 49ers are moving up to three because they see somebody that they really, really like. I look at a lot of teams. They A lot of teams like to reach in the first round, and they don't. Uh, teams like the Seattle Seahawks or even the New England Patriots over the years, uh, those are the teams that really find good value in the later rounds. Is there a team this year that you believe that will find good value in the later rounds? I think Cleveland is a team that comes to mind. I think they're in an interesting spot where they could take you know one of the better players at the back end of the first round, whether that's a receiver, off the tackle, maybe one of the pass rushers, maybe a linebacker. Like I think they're in a rare position where there's going to be a good player that falls to them and some of these projects that, you know, you're talking about a Quiddy Pay, Jason Owe and stuff, I start to feel a lot more comfortable taking them to what already is a very good roster in the NFL. You know, you have Miles Garrett, obviously there. You have Baker Mayfield played well this past season. Um, OBJ coming back. The offensive line is very good. Like, they don't have obvious needs anywhere. They can get better at a lot of different positions, you know, at, at any position they choose at the back end of the first round. So I think the other team, too, is New Orleans Saints. You know, New Orleans Saints are another one that, 
They can maybe take advantage of a falling Caleb Farley, Asante Samuel Jr., maybe get in on this linebacker group, this pass rusher group. So teams drafting at the back end of the first, I think there's a lot of value at two valuable positions, pass rusher and offensive tackle. If you're drafting at the back end of the first, you're probably going to want to come out of those picks with one of those positions. So I do think that you know, Baltimore is also in a really good spot with the two first-round picks now. So all, all three of those teams could make some plays. All right, last question for me. One bold prediction for the first round of the NFL draft and one trade that maybe sounds legitimate to you that you really hasn't been talked about that you could see in the first round. Bold prediction for the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. I do think that when I think about players that could slip into the back end of the first round, I think Jamin Davis could be a really big surprise to some people. Like Jamin Davis of Kentucky coming in at the back end of the first round as one of the linebackers taken is a, is a bold prediction I have. I think another one is uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. maybe falling out of the first. Apparently there's some medical stuff that came up at his uh, combine check-in that could cause some concerns. I know he's one of the more talented receivers in this class, but teams are really going to avoid unknowns in the 2021 NFL draft. They don't like question marks. You want exclamation points and periods. Question marks will scare teams away. It's why some of the players that did opt out and so, so forth could be slipping further. And then what was the second question you had? I was going to say one tree that maybe not a lot of people are talking about that you could see happen that makes a lot of sense for both teams in the first round. I, I think a trade that I've seen recently that I like in that it's possible, not necessarily like for the teams doing it outside of Dallas here, but Arizona trying to get ahead of New York, potentially trading up with the Dallas Cowboys to 10 to go get a wide receiver, whether that's Jalen, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, one of the big three coming down, because here's here, let's call it what it is. You know, Steve Kahn, Cliff Kingsbury, Tyler Murray, the window's now. Like he's on a rookie contract still. You need to go win now. You just got DeAndre Hopkins. You got your pick at, 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 um, along the offensive line. You have, you know, um, made decisions to get better. Zach Allen, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, you, you keep bringing these guys back. It's the window's now. Arizona and, and the decision makers there need to win pretty soon if they're going to keep their jobs in Arizona, in my opinion. So I think they could get aggressive, buy into this idea that they are in a window and need to show that they can be competitive in, in 2021. So that's a trade I do like. Dallas. Maybe comes down because, you know, say J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan's out the board. They don't like the other, and they come down a bit. A team that scares you the most going into this draft. I mean, one for me is the Green Bay Packers because I'm worried that they're not going to pick a wide receiver and Aaron Rodgers is going to start a mutiny in <laughs> the organization. Uh, what's a team that you fear is going to be a big make a big mistake in this draft? I mean, it's hard not to say San Francisco, obviously taking that team at number three overall. But I do think that – uh, you, you always you never can count out the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, the Las Vegas Raiders have always you know locked into their guy. You know, they're big on we like him more than anyone. We're going to take it. They liked Colt Miller, and they would have taken him at the spot they did before trading down. They ultimately do take Colt Miller. You know, they like Josh Jacobs. They lock into him. Jonathan Abrams, another big reach. Damon Arnett, another big reach. Um, you go Brandon Parker. They traded up to the first pick of the third round to go get Brandon Parker. I can't even. Find- freaking start on that team bring up Colin Farrell. that's how bad it's been I mean I do think oh. that you know the Raiders specifically John Gruden and, and I, I think by virtue Mike Mayock lock into their guys it's very similar to Pittsburgh in some ways Pittsburgh has a similar philosophy it's how you end up with Terrell Edmonds in the first round Artie Burns in the first round mm-hmm. it's why they're probably going to take Najee Harris in the first round like they lock into their guys we like our guys, and we're going to take them regardless of how maybe the rest of the league use these players. Well, before we let you go, Austin, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? 
Yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter, PFF underscore Austin Gale. Make sure to check out PFF.com as well. We're going to be streaming live during the draft and all that stuff. A lot of fun stuff at PFF.com. Well, Austin, it is my birthday. My birthday will be beginning in about an hour and 20 minutes. So for my birthday, I see a queen shirt right over there Josh is wearing. And you have Freddie Mercury's wonderful, wonderful mustache. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something with a guest we haven't done on this show. Speedy, hit it. Oh, God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Austin, you know the track. Come on. You're first. Here we go. Here we go. Austin's never coming back on ever again. This is not. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I want to hear it, Speedy. You know the words? I'll go it. Buddy, you're a boy. Make a big noise. Oh in the street. Gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face. Let me see the right Waving your banner all over the place. Sing, we will, we will rock you. beat, beat Speedy in the head. <laughs> all right, Speedy, shut it off. Well, Austin, I, I'm sorry, but we had to do it because it is my birthday, and we have to have some fun with some of our guests. And you look Absolutely. like a... You look like a great guy, man. I would, we would love to get you back on the show. You gave us so much good content. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and happy birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate it, man. Pro football focus content director, Austin Gale. Wonderful guy. You just scared the bejeebers out of him. No, I did not. <laughs> he had Speedy, a lot of fun. The moment Speedy blur. Speedy. Boy, you're a bull. <laughs> it wasn't even the right words. <laughs> I didn't even know where we were in the song, but somebody had to sing it. So I just might as well step up because somebody else didn't want to sing. <laughs> I didn't have to, Speedy. You covered it. You with your bull. I mean, <laughs> Well, I will say this. I thought he really thought it was funny. and uh, He did. He you, has a good sense of humor. Listen, man. You, you have to have fun. And, and the guests have to know that we are not any normal radio show. No, we're not. You know, so <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and, and be something that I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be straightforward. I'm going to be myself. And, and that's who I am. And that's why, that's why we have the fans that we have. And that's why I am who I am. I don't care what yeah. anybody thinks. But anyways, we're not going to go to a break. Uh, before we do... Our, uh, I guess we'll, we'll call it our mock draft, the mm-hmm. worldwide loudmouths mock draft. Yesterday, and I will say this, I, I've been a huge, huge backup fan for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Here we so go. I, I really watched it. Last night I couldn't sleep. So at 11 o'clock at night, I wanted to really study these quarterbacks. So what I did was... I went to each quarterback in this draft class in the top eight. Well, really top seven, if I, I'm not mistaken. It was uh, top eight, actually. And I watched all. I watched three. You know how they, they have the highlights on, on YouTube? You can watch a whole game's highlights of what the quarterback does and in, in, in every single throw. Well, I watched three games for – two games for some of the quarterbacks and three games for the big quarterbacks. And I came to my thoughts to this quarterback class. And you guys ready for this? 
I, I, I've been. We talked on the phone earlier today, and you've gotten me very excited about this. Now, I'm curious where you go with this whole list. Now, I listen to Zach Brazilla. I listen to Austin Gale. I, I also all listen to Ian Eagle. And it's so interesting when you listen to these guys. And 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 he, I, I think Austin Gale was very, very much. Uh, a good, you know, he gave us some good presentation of what Zach Wilson was against Coastal Carolina. I watched that game, by the way. He he forgot to say that uh, Zach Wilson almost came back in the game. At the end of the game, he threw that 20-yard pass, which practically put them on the three-yard line w- when the game ended. So he made one of the most outstanding throws in that game that you'll probably not see it, it, all season. You saw it maybe three or four times in all of the season of the college uh, college regular season. So he made an unbelievable throw in that game that almost got him back into the game and won, win the game. So I, I watched enough of Zach Wilson, and what I really saw with Zach Wilson was the guy can make every single throw, planting his feet, moving inside of the pocket, outside of the pocket. Uh, he he can throw. He, he, he has such a strong arm. He can throw with practically both his feet not even planted. I watched a game. Uh, that he threw a ball almost 25 yards with his feet, both his feet off the ground. That is Patrick Mahomes-esque. Now, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, okay? I'm not even going into that. But what I saw with Zach Wilson is something that I only seen maybe three or four quarterbacks in the league do in the last couple of years. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and yes, I will say it again, and I will say it over and over and over again. Josh Allen. Four quarterbacks that have done this and been very aggressive and very good at what they're doing. And the best thing about him, he keeps the ball low. He's got big hands. He's 6'2". He needs to put a little bit of weight on him. But what I saw with Zach Wilson in my my footage and what I saw in the game is, yes, he didn't play any big-time schools in Ohio State. That's not Zach Wilson's fault because it was a COVID-19 season. He played what was on his schedule, and he played very, very well. He played a team in, in a ball game, and he completely dominated. He showed everybody in the ball game why he should be a top-three pick. At number one, I'm going with Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is my predominant number one draft pick at the quarterback position. Not because he's going to the Jets. Not any of that. Because I have been taking shots at Zach Wilson all season. I didn't think he was as good as everybody thought he was. But let's be honest. I watched enough footage this year. And and, and now I've watched enough footage uh, last night to tell you that I'm telling you right now that this guy is going to be the best quarterback in this class. Hands down, there is no number. There's no 1A and 1B. This guy is 1A and there is no 1B. Okay? Trevor Lawrence is my number two guy. And... I, I've taken a lot of shots at Trevor Lawrence in the last couple of weeks. I, I, I will have to say that. But what I saw with Trevor Lawrence is he's six foot six. He is 230 pounds. He can move very, very fast for a guy his size. A lot faster than his, four, uh, his 40 was in his pro day. And the guy can make every single throw. There is no question that this kid is absolutely... Um, worthy of the number one pick. There's no question that he is. I don't care what Chris Sims says. I don't care what anybody says about this kid. What I saw in in a lot of the clips and a lot of highlights that I watched is this guy can make every single throw. The problem with him, and I, I think is going to be a problem in, in you know early in his career, is his 
process of elimination. He played in not an NFL offense. He played in a Clemson offense where there was a lot of screen passes. He used a lot of uh, Travis Etienne, one of the best running backs in the country, if not the best running back in the country. So, again, I'm not going to say that he isn't as good as any of these quarterbacks in this class. What I worry about him is he needs to learn a pro, uh, predominantly uh, a pro offense, and he's going to Urban Meyer, who plays uh, a college esque offense. Does it work out for him? Well, how long is Urban Meyer going to be there? And if Urban Meyer le- leaves, and they bring an NFL type of coach in, a West Coast, a West Coast offense coach in, is Trevor Lawrence going to be? It's going to be harder for Trevor Lawrence to figure that out, and it could take him years to figure out that offense. So it might work out now; it might not work out later. That's all I'm going to say. So he's my number two. Number three, and you're going to think I'm crazy. Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. Mac Jones goes number three, and I'm going to tell you why I think Mac Jones is the number three quarterback in this class. And I know a lot of people are going to sit there and say, Errol, you're out of your friggin' mind. You don't know what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. He played for Alabama. He had all these wide receivers. He had one of the best offensive lines. He's got a great defense. He's got one of the greatest coaches of all time. Everything and everybody can say whatever they want. He doesn't look good with the football jersey. It's funny because I watched, I've watched so many clips of what people say. He doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. So why are you going to draft him at number three? I have watched enough clips last night. I watched four highlight games of Mac Mac Jones because I wanted to see what everybody was saying about him. Why some of these experts say that he is a top three quarterback and that he could come out to be the best quarterback in this class. He's not the best quarterback in this class. He can make every single throw. Every single throw. And I don't care who he plays for. He could have played for Alabama. He could have played for BYU. He could have played for Clemson. He would have made every single throw Trevor Lawrence made, uh, Zach Wilson made. Yes, he has tremendous talent in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And he had, uh, obviously, one of the best running backs in the country in Harris. There's no question that he had the talent around him. But even in the ball game, even in the championship game, which they won, everybody everybody forgets the plays that he made. Yes, Devontae Smith was open. He was the best player on the field. Mac Jones had to make hard throws off target, and he still made everything, every single throw. It landed in everybody's hands. He keeps the ball low. He doesn't keep it high. We've been talking about quarterbacks that do that. And going into the NFL draft and going into the NFL, you got to keep the ball low. We've looked at all the top quarterbacks that have come out over the last couple of years. Russell Wilson keeps the ball low. You look at Aaron Rodgers, keep the ball low. You talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes, keeps the ball low. You talk about uh, Josh Allen keeps the ball low. The all these quarterbacks, the top five, top six, um, um, Watson, Deshaun Watson keeps the ball low. That's what you want from a quarterback. And and by the way, Mac Jones is release is one of the fastest we've seen since Sam Darnold. So say whatever you want about this guy. This guy has the quality. I don't care what anybody says about San Francisco. This guy's going to go to San Francisco. Don't be surprised if San Francisco is a Super Bowl contender with this kid as their rookie, as their starting quarterback this year. So he's my number three. Number four, Kellen Mann. Okay? And I've... I watched a lot. Hey, more interesting. Boy, Justin Fields is falling. I, I watched I watched Kellen Mond play this year, okay? And I watched him one game this year, but I watched a couple of clips the other night. Kellen Mond, first of all, is just like Mac Jones. He can make every single throw. Go watch him play for Texas A&M. He's a fantastic quarterback. Very underrated. And I know Jeff will agree with me on this. I, I do, because I, I think he likes Kellen Mond. What is interesting about Kellen Mond that threw me off about who he was and what he was, I didn't get enough chance to watch him enough until the other night. 
This guy is so fast in his feet, especially outside of the pocket. He can make every single throw outside of the pocket. What scares me about him is he keeps the ball very, very high, which means Mark Sanchez kept the ball high. What happened? Ball buck, uh, uh, fumble the ball a lot. Um, yep. Daniel Jones keeps the ball high, fumbles the ball a lot. Sam Darnold came into the league, keeps the ball high. What did he do? He fumbled the ball a lot. We've seen this with quarterbacks, and, and it's been at Baker Mayfield. When he came into yeah. the league, uh, he kept the ball high. Why did he drop the ball so much? Because he kept the ball high. This is the same thing with Kellen, Ke- uh, Kellen Mond. But here's the thing about Kellen Mond that I find very impressive. He's a great leader, one of the best leaders in this draft. Everybody says it. This guy is as great a leader as any quarterback in this class. And what it is, he's got the biggest hands in this class. The biggest hands in this class. So you look at quarterbacks that can play in the cold, quarterbacks that can play in all different areas of the game. This guy's got the biggest hands in the, in the draft, and this guy also has the ability to do every single thing that all these quarterbacks could do. Run, throw on the run, throw, make every single pass over the shoulder, all that other stuff. Kellen Mon is my fourth out of this draft class. Wow. Number five, Justin Fields. Now, I know a lot of people, and me being one of them, I have put Justin Fields as my number one talent. What scares me about Justin Fields is he doesn't make his second and third reads very, very well. It's huge in the NFL. You're going into a pro-style game, unless you go to the Patriots, which quite possibly could happen. If Justin Fields goes to the Patriots, um, the screen passes, he doesn't have to worry about But here's the problem. Deficiency. Justin Fields, in 20 yards or less, he is the worst quarterback in this class in making the throw. Worst. You're talking about all the quarterbacks from Davis Mills and Kyle Trask. He is the worst quarterback for 12, 20 yards or less when it comes to accuracy. That's huge in the NFL when you look at these short passes. You have these slot receivers that make you make these throws for 10 or 13 yards when you're, when you're third, and, third and five or third and six. He is going to have problems early in his career in the NFL, which to me causes the deficiency of what his game is. He's got a great arm. He can throw, he can throw on – he has a better arm when it comes to deep throws, and he can make every single deep throw. But here's the problem again with him. Justin Fields, he's more of a Cam Newton-esque type of player. He runs first, throws second. And that is going to be a problem in the NFL. It's going to be a huge problem in the NFL if he does that. Lamar Jackson has done that very, very well the last two years. What did he do this year? Why why were there so many deficiencies in in the regular season? And then going into the playoffs, what he did, he did. He can't get over the hump. He can't take his team to the AFC title game. This is going to be a huge problem. Linger. This guy can win big games, so I'm going to put him at five. But I, I might have even brought him even down even lower because I have. I, there's a lot of deficiencies with him. A lot. Go watch the film. Go watch him in Ohio State versus Clemson. Oh, he made some amazing throws. He made some a lot. He made a lot of bad passes in that game. A lot of bad passes. So Go watch the Indiana game. I, I, I'm just telling you what I saw in the ball game and, and what he did against Clemson. Everybody remembers all the great throws he made. Yeah. Go look at the bad throws he made. And, yes, he hurt his ribs. I heard all of This was before he even hurt his ribs. Okay? So just watch the game. All right? So that's one. Kyle uh, – I'm sorry. Trey Lance, number six. I want to say this. He is going to fall to the second round. Trey Lance is going to fall to the second round, and I, I do believe that. Everybody thought he was a first-round talent. Unless Minnesota decides to draft him uh, later in this round, I don't see him going in the first round. I think he's going to fall to the second round. He's got a tremendous amount of ability. He does. He, he's athletically sound. This guy didn't play much last year. 
He his footwork needs work. The guy he he doesn't he his legs don't spread out when he throws the ball. Go watch the games, guys. His cl- legs are closed. Cam Newton, why is it? What is his problem making the throw? Making every single throw. The guy can't plant his feet. He can't move. He his feet are not square to the pass. This is Trey Lance's problem. And if you're going into a league where your mechanics are wrong, you're going to go, unless you go to the right team, you go to the Patriots, you go to a top coach, you're going to have a huge amount of problems. Huge amount of problems. And, and, and I will say this. Say whatever you want. And you can say you might not like this thoughts. Trey Lance, going into this, uh, going into this draft, to me, has a tremendous amount of deficiencies, not because he can't throw the ball, not because he can't make every single run and move out of the pocket. He has a problem moving to his right side. He runs a lot to his left side. Go watch his clips. He loves moving to his left. What's going to happen when an NFL team sees that he likes to move left? They are going to overload the left side, so he has to go right and make his throws. And you know what that happens? That's where you're going to force the ball in windows that you can't make the throws, and you're going to have a lot of problems and deficiencies in your game. So that's, uh, that's Trey Lance. Kyle Trask at number seven. Now, I know uh, we've heard um, weapons hot. We, we've heard CJ say a lot of good things about him. Kevin oh, Jackson wow. likes him. Um, this is a kid that played very well for Florida. He played very well in big games. The problem with Kyle Trask is he doesn't have a lot of athletic ability. He's not very athletic. He's, he's more of a pocket-present quarterback. And in this league, and I, I know everybody's going to say, well, Mac Jones is the same way. And Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond is, he's more of a mobile quarterback than he is a pocket present, but he can do everything as well. I, I worry about Kyle Trask, especially, and he's more of a late second round, third round pick. I worry about him because even though he played a very, against very good talent, he's undersized, one. Number two, he has small hands. Number three, his footwork is terrible. Absolutely. He has the worst footwork in this draft class. Go watch his clips. Go watch him in Florida. He look who he's throwing to. Kyle Pitts. He's one of he's the best tight end in the nation. And go watch. Go watch. Go watch Trask when he played against good corners. Go watch him when he played against Horn. Go watch him play against when he played against some of the top corners in the country. He didn't play well. And that's a huge problem when you're going to the NFL and you're playing the best players in the world. So Kyle Trask at number seven. And at number eight, Davis Mills. Now I watched two games with Davis Mills. Uh, Stanford kid who a lot of people like. Some people think he's a fourth, fifth round talent. I, I, I don't know what much of what he is as a quarterback. The clips that I watch is he's deficient. He's, he's got a lot of size. Uh, his, his footwork needs work. Um, he has a good arm. He's got a strong arm. He has a problem throwing 20 yard, 20 yard over the, over, uh, over the shoulder passes. He, he's had a lot of problems this year in certain games against very good talent. So, uh, Stanford, um, a Stanford kid, uh, Davis Mills is my number eight pick. So those are my top eight picks. What did you guys think of my thoughts? You just did a complete 360 on Justin yeah, Fields. So that was a big shock. I, when well, I, I had a when you told me about this before the show, I was thinking, all right, he's dropping Trevor Lawrence down to number five or something like that. He's going to drop Trevor Lawrence below, I don't know, Trey Lance or something like that. Some weird theory. I never thought it would have been with Justin Fields. And Mac Jones, number three, after we were just fighting with, with Mark about it a couple weeks ago, when he thought Mac Jones was the best quarterback. We've heard a lot of people I didn't say, say Mac, he was the best quarterback. No, 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 no. But I, a lot of the, the praise, and all of a sudden, like, we were against that verdict. And now all of a sudden, you're back with him at number three. That was definitely a surprise. And listen, Jeff, you're not going to like it. I understand. You don't have to like it. I, I'm just telling you what I thought on what I saw when it came to the highlights that I watched of all the games. And by the way, 
play. I watched the full highlights of those games. I'm talking about when they give you all in one, it's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes of all the highlights. No commercials, no breaks, everything all in one. I watched the kids play. And I those that's what I saw, the aggressiveness of each quarterback. It threw me off. It really did. And Mac Jones is a lot better than people think he is. There, He's a lot better than people think he is. So Jeff could say he, he thinks he's trash. That's fine. That's his opinion. He goes to the right team. He goes to San Francisco in the right offense. I'm telling you, he can make every single throw, and he can. He's not a mobile quarterback. There's no question. His his mechanics are as good as any quarterback in this class. He is the he's the most accurate quarterback in this class. Even better than Zach Wilson. Go look at the numbers. He is. He's the most accurate quarterback in this class. I don't care if he was throwing to Jalen Waddle. I don't care if he was throwing to Devontae Smith. I don't care if he's throwing to Speedy Petey. If he can make every single throw, and the objective is to make every single throw, he can play in this league. The kid is going to be a lot better than people think he's going to be. Yes, he played for Alabama. Yes, he doesn't look good in a football uniform. I don't give a crap. When when Kirk Cousins was drafted, did I think that Kirk Cousins was going to be a top quarterback in his league? No. Nobody would have thought that. He came from Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State uh, a, a not a known quarterback school. Okay, so... Teammates with Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> yeah, so... Again, my thoughts to that is is that I thought that when I look at all these quarterbacks and Zach Wilson, I, I, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan. I'm telling you what I saw on film. On film. And, I, and, and my friend uh, Eric called me up. He said he was yelling at me yesterday, screaming at me and telling me, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because really. he was telling me Zach Wilson is by far the best quarterback. <laughs> Last night, I got so angry at him, I watched footage. I watched highlights. And I... I've come to the thought that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in this country, and it's not even close. It's not even close. And I'll tell you this right now. Two, three years down the road, all you guys telling me, you know, telling me that I'm crazy for what I say. Mark my words, Zach Wilson's the best quarterback in this class. Trevor Lawrence is the third, second best quarterback in this class, and Mac Jones is going to win a Super Bowl before all of these quarterbacks. So remember I said that. And that's not a, that's no bull, that's no bullshit. Excuse my language, but that's the truth. And that's facts. Well, is winning a Super Bowl mean you're automatically the second or third best quarterback in the class, though? If he makes every single throw and he he makes and he gets his team to the Super Bowl, even if he's not the main source, yes. You get your team all the way to the Super Bowl and you help them win, yes. You deserve every credit whatsoever. Uh, all that. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about all the other quarterbacks over the years, the Rex Grossmans, the getting their teams. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, he's right. not Rex Grossman, okay? He's not. Okay? Here's the thing. I think that when you look at these quarterbacks and you you look at the aggressiveness of each quarterback and what they do in the pocket and how strong they are in the pocket, Mac Jones is the best quarterback in this class, as far as I'm concerned, is standing in the pocket and making the throw. So that's what I'm going to say. As far as Zach Wilson's concerned, he is the best at every intangible of the game. He can run. He can make throw moving to his left, moving to his right, or not even planting his feet over his head. He keeps the ball low. That's what you want a quarterback to do, not dropping the ball. He doesn't fumble the ball. I don't care what he's done in the one year that he said. I listened to what Austin Gale said. I don't care. Okay, what I saw with this kid is the guy keeps the ball low, he sees the field better, and he doesn't look at his first objective. He looks at his second and third, and he makes his throws when he needs to. That's who you want. Jeff says Zach Wilson is the new cut on Tom Brady's hand. Mm, um, whatever Jeff thinks, that's fine. That's great. I, Jeff, Jeff knows I have a lot of respect for his thoughts to it, but that's his opinion. And my opinion, 
I fall, I, I vary my opinion of what I saw in the highlights. And highlights don't lie. Watch him in the big game. Watch what Mac Jones did in the big game against the Ohio State Buckeyes defense. Oh, by the way, Cle- Clemson's great Trevor Lawrence couldn't, couldn't do anything against. Okay? Same defense. Same effing defense. And Mac Jones absolutely tore that defense apart. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? Okay, so I, I'm just telling you what I saw. And what I saw was a much better quarterback than anybody thought that he was. That's all I'm going to say. And I think he's a lot better than people think he is. And I don't care what uh, Zach Brazilla said or Austin Gale says. San Francisco will not regret drafting Mac Jones. I promise you that. They will not regret it because they will win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones. Remember I said that. If they win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones, it was worth every bit of moving up from 12 to 3 and giving up those first-round draft picks. Because what is San Francisco trying to do? They're trying to win a Super Bowl. So that's my take. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do our sports loud mouths what? Mock draft. And we're going to have two very special guests. We're going to have Jeff from Tampa joining us and Carl, a.k.a. Mr. Chicago Town, Chi Town, USA, with us when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouths. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Lab Mouse. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Joshua Silverberg, and Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-965-4990. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, this has been a great show. We had Ian Eagle, our interview with Ian Eagle. Uh, we were just talking to Zach Bra- uh, Braziller, uh, the New York Post college football reporter. And then um, awesome, awesome in- interview from Austin Gale. Uh, Jeff, what's going on, man? Definitely not a fan, but how are you? Why, why, why is it not a fan? Why are you not a fan of me right now? I mean, that, that, was, that, that list is just, I oh. mean... Well, let's your I mean, let, let, let's just move on because it's just going to take too long. Uh, listen, it's it's your opinion, and I you I we could talk about it off air if you if you think it's a little crazy. That's fine. Uh, I have no problem for you uh, stating your opinions towards it. But uh, we're waiting for Shy uh, Town uh, to get his uh, his mic on. Go to uh, go to the I mean, audio. Dude, I mean, he's from Chicago, so his microphone is tr- as trash as him and his football team. <laughs> And his basketball team, and his hockey team, and their pizza, which isn't even pizza. <laughs> He's it's laughing too. Cas- yeah, it's soft casserole. <laughs> it's, that's what it is. It's not pizza. It's a it's a casserole. Why do we? Why do they even try to call it pizza? I think we have so, them. And now we have a very good a very good friend and a fan of mine since I started. The worldwide sports, really sports on the go on radio, and actually two of them, Je- Jeff from Tampa and Shy Town himself, Mister Carl Falk. What's going on, Carl? Did we get him. All right, so you got me now? We hear you. We hear you. What's going right. on? What's going on, Carl? Hey man, don't knock the deep dish, man. You eat two pieces, you're full for a week. <laughs> <laughs> that pizza is why all of you die of heart attacks at forty three. 
All right, so you're saying I got a few years left. Hey, Errol, I'm just going to say uh, you're definitely right, man. I've been a fan since day one. I still got you on my contacts. It's Errol Sports on the go one, man. Thank you, man, and I'm, I'm happy that you're joining us. I haven't, I, I've always wanted to get you on the show, and uh, I, the fact that you, you're a busy guy and you sit and you watch our show and you're a big sports fan, I really respect you, and I, I thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to our shows every single week on Wednesdays and Thursdays and all the other shows uh, over the years with me and Mikey C. Mikey, who is lost, missing in action or maybe <laughs> has his fingers so far up his ass, he doesn't know where the hell he is. So there you I go. Mean, it's Chicago. What, what else does he have to do in Chicago? It's a trash town. There's nothing to do. Well, he's in Florida, actually. He's from yeah. Chicago. So he lives in Florida now. He lives by you, buddy. Get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I live south of you, man. I live down in southwest Florida. So there you go. Where? South Florida. South he lives Florida. He lives in South Florida. Oh, right. Sunglasses oh, right. and hair gel. Got you. I think we lost you again, Carl. I think we lost you again. You you were uh you're having uh, some technical difficulties. <laughs> so yeah, I mean these Chicago people, now they're not paying their Wi Fi bill. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to – what we'll do is I, – I don't know what's going on with uh, the mic. And it, it, Listen, Carl, if we can't get you there, we'll, we'll get you on the phone with uh, – we'll get you on the phone with Jeff. We'll get you on the phone with Jeff, and we'll put you on a two-way call so you can actually talk that way if, if it comes down to it, if there's a problem. Um, anyways, um, are you guys ready to do our mock draft? I'm ready. You ready, Jeff? Are you, are you ready to uh, kick some ass and see where you're going with this? Sure, let's go. Jeff, are you going to draft Zayvon Collins number one overall? <laughs> Dude, uh, I, I can't believe he said Zayvon Collins is a second rounder. I mean, that is a wild take to me. Wild. Huh? Well. I mean, the, I mean, the guy was the Nagurski Award winner. I mean, well, let's, well, let's throw him in the fifth round. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Speedy, you ready for round number one? Uh, first pick of the draft. All right. First pick of the draft, I'll just take the obvious one. With the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence. I still think he's the best quarterback. I, I have Fields not far behind, but I, I'm still going to take Lawrence for them. I still don't trust Urban Meyer, but Lawrence is the pick. Um, I got Trevor Lawrence, too, at number one. Jacksonville, you know why Urban Meyer took that job. He wants... He wants Trevor Lawrence. He wants to try to win with Trevor Lawrence and try to develop uh, his uh, – put his stamp to an NFL team. We've seen him do it for Florida. We've seen him do it for Utah. And, and then, obviously, with Ohio State winning national championships everywhere he went. So, um, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence at number one. Go for it, Jeff. You can go. <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Can we just we start just the draft it. at three? We we know we know Lawrence and Zach Wilson are one and two, right? Do we just go right to three? <laughs> just go. <laughs> just go. Jeff, Jeff to... Lawrence. All right, Lawrence. All right, Carl. All right, let's go to three. Okay, let's let's just go to three. We know Zach Wilson. We know Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are going one and two. All right. All right. At number three, I'm still taking Fields. I'm still taking Fields. I know you all you Mac Jones. Uh, hype train that we're getting on here, but I'm still taking Fields. He's not far behind Lawrence to me. I think he does a lot of good things very well, and I think his mobility, the motion, and not that Kyle Shen offense will definitely make a difference. So I'm still going Fields number three. I'm going Mac Jones. It's not even a, It's not even an argument. It's not even a thought. Mac Jones is going number three to the San Francisco 49ers, and eventually he's going to win a Super Bowl with that San Francisco 49ers team. I think he's got a much 
better upside than a lot of people think. So Mac Jones going number three to the San Francisco 49ers. Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I got Mac Jones there as well. Uh, I've made the comparison a ton of times. I think that you guys agree. Kyle Shanahan loved Kirk Cousins, tried to trade for, for Kirk Cousins. I think Mac Jones is the new Kirk Cousins, plays like him, thinks like him, smart dude. I, and, and everyone, listen, it was the reason they traded to three to go to get Mac Jones. That's what they gave up that stuff for. And they're, I think they're just doing their due diligence with the other guys. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Mac Jones. All right, Carl, what do you got at number three? Uh, yeah, I like Mac Jones, too. I mean, Jeff said what I was going to say. They traded up for this pick. I mean, and, and that, therefore, I think it's the safe pick. I mean, his completion percentage was, what, over 75% this past year. Um, he's a pocket-style passer. That's what Kyle, Shan- Kyle Shanahan wants. I think it's a good fit. I think that's where they're going to go number three. Mac Jones. Josh? It's the obvious one. It's Mac Jones. You know, for me, Mac Jones is the guy. When you look at it, again, he fits Kyle Shanahan's system perfectly like a glove. He's the guy who's a pocket passer. As you said, Arrow, he's the best pocket passer in this draft. It's a no-brainer. You look at the the percentage. I'm wondering if maybe they maybe could have waited a little bit later in the draft to get him maybe at 12 if he still would have been there. Who knows if they had to go up to three. But, listen, they want the guy that they want to get, then they got to make sure they get him no matter what, and that's why it's going to be Mac Jones. All right, number four with the Atlanta Falcons. This is where I'm going to make my first trade. This is a trade I'm surprised nobody is talking about. The Eagles traded back. I didn't like it for whatever reason. I even have them trading back up with Atlanta. I think it makes sense for both teams. So I'm going to have Atlanta trading back, getting some extra first-round picks, second-round picks from Philly, and Philly takes Jamar Chase. I'm going with Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is the guy. They're trying to win. Um, even though they're they're rebuilding, Julio Jones is going to be gone. I believe that in the next two months, uh, when the when the money starts to, I think there's some kind of clause yes. that it, it, in the next month uh, they can they can actually um, what, reduce what? the salary. Reduce cap. the salary. After June first. Yes. I, I think he will. They will trade him. They need another big big uh, big player to make the catches. I think it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts goes to the Atlanta Falcons at number four. Jeff. Yeah, people that uh, project trades in Montrass are retards, and I'm going to go uh, Kyle Pitts as well. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's the best non-quarterback in the draft. They need more than quarterback. They can't get out of Matt Ryan's contract. Kyle Pitts, he's the, he's the best non-quarterback. Carl. Yeah, I, I agree, too. It's going to be Kyle Pitts. I didn't know we were doing trades here. I mean, look, my cat will not. It's got to be quick with that. It's got to be quick with that. trades? We didn't know. Carl, so, we're not doing trades. Only retards do them. <laughs> okay. Those, those, and don't know the lyrics to uh, to music, right? Freddie Mercury. All right, yeah, I'm going with Kyle Pitts as well. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. It's Kyle Pitts. I mean, you heard Austin even say it earlier. They're stuck under that Matt Ryan contract for the next two years. They're going to do everything they can to get this guy to win win a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. That's for sure. Especially after they trade Julio Jones and. Whoever takes on that contract, obviously it's a reduced salary after June 1st, so it'll make it easier to trade. Kyle Pitts is the easy selection here for them at four to try to salvage whatever Matt Ryan has left in the tank. All right, Bengals at number five. I have him taking the pick that everyone has him taking. I'll give him Panay Sewell. Joe Burrow needs protection. Jonah Williams, who I like as a prospect so far, hasn't panned out. He's had a lot of trouble uh, developing because of his injury. Joe Burrow, obviously, with the bad injury last year. And Joe Mixon, with a bad offensive line, has had a lot of trouble running the ball, too. So Panay Sewell, take the generational talent. At number five, the Bengals select 
Jamar Chase. I, I think Joe Burrows, they, they know each other very, very well. I think Joe Burrows can get themselves a, a big-time offensive talent. I think they need it. Uh, A.J. Green is no longer there. I, I don't trust the, the wide receivers they have over there. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in this draft class. I'm going with Jamar Chase. Jeff? Yeah, yeah it's a tough call for me. Uh, those are the two guys I was trying to decide between. Um, I know that they just lost A.J. Green. But at the end of the day, you got to protect your number one guy. I'm going to go Penny Sewell. Okay. Carl, what you got? Carl, I got out of mute. Yeah, I, li- I like Sewell too. Um, I think it's predicated on you know whatever whatever pick is here, the Lions are going to pick the opposite. So uh, I think that they go with Sewell here, and that means the Lions will end up probably picking Chase later on. Although I'm leaving my pick later, but I think it's going to be. Sewell, uh, it's just I like Jamar Chase, but I kind of like Devontae Smith better, so I'll go with the with protecting Burrow as well. I like Sewell. I want them to be able to protect Burrow. I, I, you know, that that's really what it comes down to. They got to protect Burrow, but at the end of the day, Burrow's going to vouch for his former teammate, and in that case, it's going to be Jamar Chase. Look, he's going to want this guy. He was very close with him at LSU. He's somebody that is going. he's going to rely on that. Maybe they look at another offensive lineman later in the draft. There's a ton of them in this draft. You can get them in the second round. And at the end of the day, it's all about the college connection. So, to me, I'm going to go Jamar Chase. All right, Miami Dolphins at number six. I am not concerned about his weight. I'm still going to take Devontae Smith. I am not concerned with that. I still think he's going to be the exception of the rule. I know, Jeff, you brought it up, Sean Jackson and – Santana Moss have really been the only guys, but Smith, I think, is a special prospect, and I still think he has enough time to bulk up. Him and Tua already have chemistry, and I think he's a lot more skilled, like, all around, even though he doesn't have the raw speed and athleticism, than Jalen Waddell. So I'm still taking Smith. At number six, the Miami Dolphins select Panay Sewell. I think shifting their offensive line, making the trades that they've made in the last couple of days, it, it, it seems like they're, they're looking to bring in an offensive lineman that could solidify that offensive line. I think the fact that Tua is a guy that has hip problems, they need to protect him, and they need to put the right guys around him. They have another first-round draft pick at number 17 or 18. I think that's where they're going to get their wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they move up to get a Jalen Waddle or something like that. I say Panay Sewell going Number six to the Miami Dolphins, Jeff. Yeah, we're all we're, yeah we're all around the same players here. Uh, at six, I got um, Jamar Chase. You know, I I think he's the best receiver in the class. It's a very talented class, but I still think Jamar's the best, and I think he's going to end up being a Dolphin. That's it, Carl. <laughs> uh, I like I, I wrote down I like um, Devontae Smith here. I think the Dolphins actually might have even gone DB, defensive back, if their DBs didn't step up the way they did last year. I know you guys talked about it in exhaustion last week about their DB play. So I think they're going to go Smith. Um, I, I like him better than Chase. I know Chase didn't play last year. He's a great player. I I, I don't know. I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to pick pick Smith though. Arrow, you brought it up moving Robert Hunt from tackle to guard. I mean, it was a pretty obvious decision where that was going once they made that move, moving Hunt over the guard. It's going to be Panay Sewell. I mean, the guy would fit like a glove over there. They need to protect two at all costs. You see the injury history with him from college to now coming into the NFL. It's been a lot of injury risk. They have to keep him on his feet. They have to keep him healthy between the hip injury and everything like that. So for me, it's Panay Sewell as the guy. All right, number seven, the Detroit Lions. Mm. 
I'll give them Rashawn Slater. Uh, they could definitely need a lot on this team. I don't know if there's any defensive players. Maybe Parsons are one of the corners worth taking now, but they just drafted Jeff Okuda last year, and even though he was injury-prone, he still played all right when he was healthy. They still got Trufant there. So I'm not, I mean, I'm worried about the defense, but not as worried. I think Slater's the best value pick for them here. Okay. I, I, I do believe that the Lions are going to trade out of this pick, but if they don't, I, I think at number seven, they need a wide receiver. Jalen Waddell goes to the Lions. They need that superstar wide receiver, the guy that can make the, the catches. Goff over there, and, and Goff needs a weapon. They don't have any weapons over there, so they're going to add a weapon. And I think one of the most underrated wide receivers in this class, Jalen Waddell, goes to the uh, Detroit Lions. Jeff? Yeah, I agree with you, Errol. Uh, you know, our drafts are pretty similar so far. I, I have Waddle in this spot. They, you know, you can't lose all of those receivers and not replace them somehow. And with the offensive line depth, I think that they can get that later and they need some wide receiver talent. Uh, so for me, Jalen Waddle. Carl? Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go wide receiver here too. Um I, I I can't even name the Detroit Lions depth chart at wide receiver now. I mean, I'd love to be able to look it up. I don't know. So I'm going to go with Jamar Chase only because I picked Smith last pick, right? So I think that uh, Jamar Chase is the best fit here. I'm going to go wide receiver as well. I think, I'm, but this time I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Like you said, Arrow, they they need weapons. They don't have any. I'm with Carl on this one. I can't even name the depth chart of the Lions. They're one, two, or three receivers at this point. I mean, it's it's just so bad right now. And Jared Goff needs all the help he can get on that offense. It's a disaster right now in Detroit. Yeah, I was thinking Micah Parsons at first with Dan, you know, with the Dan Quinn connection being defense or anything. But I don't think Parsons bites off enough kneecaps. So I'm going to go with uh, Devontae Smith. <laughs> all right, number eight with the Carolina Panthers. So Errol brought it up earlier with the uh, with the trade that possibly could happen with Stephon Gilmore maybe going to the Patriots or J.C. Jackson going to the Patriots in exchange for that pick. But I think now with Fields off the board on my board, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them Kyle Pitts. I, I could have went bold and went J.C. Horn because they could use a corner too, but I think Pitts is just too good of a value to pass up here. They, they could help their offensive line. He's a nice blocker. I know he has the concussion issues, but I think he won't have as much wear and tear in this over, offense overall. So I'm going to give him Pitts. All right. Um... I don't, I don't care who who's picking at this pick. If it's Carolina or even if it's the Patriots, Justin Fields will go in this pick. I think he's the number eight pick. If he if he goes if he goes to Carolina, uh, he'll be playing against Sam Donald for uh, for playing time. If if uh, if the Patriots move up, it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields goes to either Carolina or New England at number eight. Yeah, uh, you know I talked to you early in the week, Errol, yep. about you know the Patriots and that that whole pick. Um, a little tidbit of information I will share with you. Uh, I haven't been wrong much with the Patriots, have I, Errol? No, you haven't. Yeah, the Patriots will make be making a day two trade with the Niners to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow, mm-hmm. wow! Promise you. There you go. I've heard that rumor too by Jeff because they said that they're trying to restructure that contract as well. That they're trying to make that's it work. A, all right, that's, so that's exactly so what they're doing. all right, so if that happens, I'm going to go with Horn at number eight. So no switcheroo. I'll put a, I'll put I'll put Horn over there. Uh, Horn's the best uh, corner in this draft. I think they need the best corner. They have so many deficiencies at so there. Because the Patriots didn't. So because the Patriots didn't move to eight, and now now the Panthers don't need Fields anymore. So now you're changing your. No, pick. what I yeah, what I think. No, no, stand by your draft. Well, yeah, you, well, what you said. What anyways, you said. at eight. Anyways, at eight, I got Patrick Sertan there. Okay. Patrick Sertan for Jeff. 
All right. Carl, who do you got? I like J.C. Horn. Um, I, I wrote this down earlier in the week. Um, you talked about watching his game film. I like his – or other uh, quarterbacks game film. I like J.C. Horn's game film. I had him down as my number one DB or Caleb Farley. Um, and I love what Virginia Tech does with their DBs. Going, I mean, I'm a Kyle Fuller. I'm a Shaitan guy, obviously. And he, he left. But I, I'm going to go with um, – so it's hard to pick, but I'm going with J.C. Horn. I like this film. Uh, I haven't film. I don't have a lot of time for it, but I'll go with him. I agree with Carl on this one. I'm going to go with J.C. Horn on this one. His film, to me, and I've said it, we've talked off the air on the air as well. I think J.C. Horn's the best DB in this draft. I think he's the best man-on-man coverage guy. He's a guy that will – he fights for every possession on every ball. He's a ball hog pretty much. So, for me, it's J.C. Horn. All right, the Denver Broncos at number nine. Mm-hmm. So, Carl, speaking of Kyle Fuller, I am going to get – a guy to go along with him in this draft. I'll, I'll take JC Horn for Denver. I think Denver needs a lot on defense. I, I might have taken Slater for them if he, I didn't pick him just for Detroit, but I think Horn is a great fit for Denver to go alongside with Kyle Fuller. They, he, he doesn't have to develop as a number one corner right away. Great pick for them. I'll go Horn. At number nine, the Denver Broncos draft Micah Parsons from Penn State. Uh, the best linebacker. I, I think uh, everybody says he's the best linebacker. You know what they like. Von Miller-esque. Uh, I think he goes to the Broncos. They're a defensive. Their coach is a defensive-minded guy. Uh, he fits the scheme. Give me Parsons. Yeah, I agree, Errol. I, I think it's going to be Parsons. They just I would have taken a quarterback here, but they just made a move for Teddy Bridgewater, so I think Parsons is the next guy up. Carl, who do you got? I like uh, I like Patrick Sertain here. Um, I got to watch him live back, way back in the day in high school. Um, he fits. I mean, he has all the measurables. I think he's going to fit really well with Kyle Fuller on that Denver defense. Um, they're they're such a defensive minded team now with their head coach. I think I think it's like the Bears from 2018. What they're going. So I'm going to go with Patrick Sertain. I would have said Trey Lance here, but. It- I mean, does Teddy Bridgewater really move the needle that much? No, in my opinion. I don't trust Drew Locke, but I still don't think they're going to take quarterback. I think they're going to go with Micah Parsons as well. Look, I know despite the yellow flags that we've all brought up, listen, Von Miller had problems coming out of college. Shane Ray had problems coming out of college. John Elway took them regardless. It didn't really matter to him. Micah Parsons is not going to make any difference. He'll make the defense that much better with uh, Bradley Chubb over there. So I'll go with uh, Micah Parsons going to Denver. All right, everyone's least favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys at number 10. (laughs) They need a lot of help. And I'll go with what everyone's been saying, obviously. I'm going to take Sertan here, go along with Trayvon Diggs. I would have given them Horn if Horn was there, but Sertan is the pick for me for Dallas. I think it's obvious they need so much in that secondary. At number 10, the Dallas Cowboys select... Patrick Sertan, I think he's the perfect guy. He's the perfect fit for Dallas. I think it makes a lot of sense. We've been hearing this all year round. That's who, that's who they want. I think Patrick Sertan falls to them at number 10. Yeah, I mean, I think at number 10, the Dallas Cowboys will select Mike Eiler uh, <laughs> from, from, from uh, Bayshore, New York. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Jones doesn't have uh, someone to stroke him off these days. And <laughs> this guy's willing to spit in his hand and go. No, who do you got for da- Dallas? J.C. Horn. Okay. But but Mike from Bayshore is a close second because Jerry Jones is lonely these days. <laughs> Carl, who do you got? 
I'll keep it short and sweet. We're going to keep the run on DBs going. Dallas is going to panic. They're going to think DBs are going quickly. So they're going to go Caleb Farley because he's the third one I have on my list for DBs. Or cornerback, sorry. Easy, you all mentioned it, but it's going to be Patrick Sertan. He fits perfectly with Dallas. Speedy said it. they need all the help that they could possibly get on, on the defensive backs. I mean, they have nothing to speak of. It's embarrassing. It's a joke. So Patrick Sertan can hopefully do somewhat of the uh, helping the damage out. I don't know if he can do all of it, but he'll do enough. All right, my New York Giants at number 11. Mm-hmm. I'll give them Parsons. I, I wanted the receiver, but I, I really still realistically don't think Smith is going to fall there. I mentioned on the show I would rather take Parsons over Waddle. I think he's the better all-around prospect. I do worry about the off-field issues, but I'll take my chances in this case. The Giants need to try something at this point. They just need talent. They are so far behind when it comes to roster construction right now, so I will give them Parsons. At number 11, the New York Giants select Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. I think a lot of people, they need to solidify that offensive line to protect Daniel Jones, especially this is the last time Gettleman is going to have the opportunity to really pick in the draft, and I think he wants to make, a, make it a splash. I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater at number 11 to the New York football Giants. Yeah, uh, for me, I still got a receiver on my board. Uh, I had Jamar Chase going earlier, and as well as Jalen Waddle. So for me, it's Devontae Smith here. You got to give dimes some help. You can't throw dimes without people to throw to. <laughs> help the guy out. Okay. Jeff Scott, Danny Dimes, a, cool, a wide receiver. Carl, who do you got? Yeah, I don't need to see Danny Dimes running 70 yards down the field and getting uh, stopped by the turf monster. Um, So he's got to have someone to throw to. Uh, You just talked about Errol, him making a splash, the GM, so I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle because I still have him on my board. I'm with Carl on this one, too. I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle. He's still on my board. They need to get all the help. I was thinking Slater as well, but Daniel Jones needs all the help he can get at receiver. We got to stop relying on uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slade, and then uh, Evan Ingram. So we, we got to stop with that already. It's enough. Enough of Ingram, right, Speedy? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so number 12, you guys all have the Eagles. I have the Falcons with the trade. So here we go. Pick number 12. I have I'll, – I'll, I'll take the fa- – I'll give the Falcons – Greg Newsom in this spot. I'll give them a corner. They need secondary depth big time. They have enough linebackers. I know, Jeff, I, you might have wanted me to take Zayvon Collins in this spot. I think the Falcons are actually okay at linebacker, but corners they need a lot. So give me Greg Newsom. At number Terrific 12. Captain trade. <laughs> at number 12, the Philadelphia Eagles select Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith is the perfect guy for what they're looking for. I think he falls to the, new, uh, he falls to the Philadelphia Eagles. At number 12. Carl? Oh, no, it's Jeff's turn. Oh, Jeff, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, all the top receivers are gone. Waddle, Smith, Jamar Chase. Um, you know, Eagles need everything. I mean, everything. Uh, but for me, this is where I have J.C. Horn going. Hmm. Interesting. So. Interesting. I, I didn't think Horn was going to fall this far, but that's interesting. Jeff got Horn at number 12. All right, Carl, who do you got? Uh, this is where I have Micah Parsons. I actually still have Micah Parsons down a little bit, but I actually think it's a good fit because, uh, you know, you keep him close to I – mean, he's at Penn State, right? So you keep him close <laughs> to where he's at. If there are any red flags and character-wise, um, you know, he's got he's got a little bit of a circle there. So I, 
whether that circle's bad or not, it could be a good one. So I'm going to say Micah Parsons to the Eagles. This is where it gets a little interesting for me. I mean, they need a leader on that defense, especially in the DBs. This is where I'm going to go with safety Trevon Morick out of TCU. This is a guy that I look at. I think he's a leader on the field. You see it, especially in the Big 12, where they don't believe in defense and to be able to be the stout defender that he is. He's a leader on the field. You see him all the time. He's on every highlight. He's so quick with his feet. He's not David Collins quick, so I'm going to give Jeff that one, but – or I guess the guy for me with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. At number 13, we have the L.A. Chargers, the least clutch team in football. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Uh, I'm going to give him offensive line help. I will give him Tevin Jenkins here at 13. The Chargers have had good interior guys, but the outside guys have really not been there for the Chargers. They've, I thought they had some talent with some recent draft picks, but they really haven't developed. I mean, Sam... Sam Tevy is one of your tackles right now. They they just trade uh, they traded Russell Okung even though they got Trey Turner back. They traded for Russell Okung now. He's gone, and they need some tackles. So I'm going to give him Tevin Jenkins here. At number thirteen, the L.A. Chargers select Aljay Varataka. That's mm-hmm. where he's going. He's going to the Chargers. He's going home. So that's where he's going. I think he's I, I think he's the best guard in this draft. I think he solidifies that offensive line that they re redeveloped in the offseason, and he's going to help out on protecting Mr. Justin Herbert, the man, the myth, the legend. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, uh, I have, uh, you know, I had Elijah Varitucka there in that spot. Um, It makes all the sense in the world, but I'm going to give him Rashawn Slater. Hmm. Just because Rashawn Slater plays several different positions and had a lot of injuries on that line, and if they had to shuffle people around, I think Rashawn Slater is a little more versatile. So that's who I'll give it. Dead Carl. Carl, who do you got? Yeah. yeah, I echo what Jeff says. I'm going with Sean Slater. He's still on my board. He's a road grader, and he's a road grader at any position on that line. I mean, I haven't seen him play center, but anywhere else, he's a plug-and-play guy, and the Chargers need that anywhere. So I think the versatility is they can't pass up. So Rashawn Slater. I mean, I saw Rashawn Slater on my board, too. As Jeff said, he's versatile. He can play the tackle position, guard position. Putting him next to Corey Lindsley is going to be a huge help, of course, for Justin Herbert. I mean, that's somebody when you look at He's a big body. It's amazing he fell this far, but he did. Um, and it'll be beneficial for him because he's used to playing in the cold weather. Now he gets to play in the nice, warm Los Angeles weather. So it'll be easy to get accustomed to that, I would think. So I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater. All right, number 14, the Minnesota Vikings. All right, I'm, I don't want to gamble on Caleb Farley here. I feel like they could be a team to gamble on Caleb Farley, but I will, I will take Jeff's boy here. I'll take Zayvon Collins for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, just like Jeff is saying, a freak of an athlete, a great run stopper. They definitely could use that. Their run defense was down last year. Anthony Barr's had a lot of trouble staying healthy, so you're really relying on Endrick, Eric Kendrick. Could you entirely. spit it out? We got a whole freaking draft to go in the first round. <laughs> in that spit it out. Core. So I'll give him Jeff's boy, Zayvon Collins. Oh, my God. Oh, my man. Number 14, the Minnesota Vikings select a pass rusher. Jalen Phillips will go to them. They need a pass rusher, an edge rusher. He's the best one on the board. I'm going with Jalen Phillips. Holy God. Our drafts are like the same arrow. I have Jalen Phillips here as well. Like, this is absolutely wild. It's scary because, like, now I feel like I'm retarded because you're never right. So, like, I probably <laughs> need to change my board. Huh. Oh, smart guys think alike, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why, I, I, like, I'm, I'm wondering if I've had, like, a lobotomy or a surgery. Like, I actually, like, 
trying to think. Was I beamed up to the spaceship last night? This is actually freaky. <laughs> so, yeah, Jalen Phillips. Oh, man. Go ahead, Carl. Man, that, that's that's funny. I got to go Christian Derrissaw here. Um, or Derrissaw. I, so the Vikings, I mean, they're okay on the, on the O-line, but I think that this just solidifies where they need to be going forward. So I'm going to go with Derrissaw. I think he's... This is so interesting when I think about this one because you have to figure out they don't have really the quarterback of the future on their team. I mean, they have Kirk Cousins, but how much longer does he really have? This would be a nice spot for uh, Justin Fields, wouldn't it? It would be very fascinating to draft him with Minnesota. It's too tempting. I'm going to go with Justin Fields going to the Vikings, sitting a year behind Kirk Cousins, and they're going to fire. They're, they're going to get a whole new coaching staff coming in there anyway. They will you know, integrate that offense, whoever they go to next. Very nice, Josh. I like that. I like it. All right, number 15, the New England Patriots. Speaking about a team that could use a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I will give you the scenario you've wanted since about two months ago. I will give them Trey Lance. I will Trey Lance to the Patriots, and they didn't even have to trade up. Huh. <laughs> Are you going to give him Calamont? <laughs> oh, no. I'm, 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 actually, I'm actually looking at the positions right now. You know what? I'm going to go with this. At number 15, the New England Patriots select... Asante Samuel Jr. Ooh, whoa! At number fifteen, uh, I, I think they're going to look for somebody to replace somebody like Gilmore. We know Asante Samuel played there. I think they were, and who drafted him? Bill Belichick. Why not draft his son? I'm going with Asante Samuel Jr. at number fifteen. Yeah, I, you know, so I. I, I believe the hype. I think they are working a deal for Jimmy G. Yeah, that's why I've, I picked I've that. Said, I've, I've, I've said Trey Lance now for how long, Errol? A long time, and that's why I didn't pick Trey Lance. I was going to pick. I was very giddy on picking Trey Lance there, but now you said Jimmy Garoppolo, so I'm going to go off target. I don't think they're going to keep Gilmore. I think they're going to move Gilmore, and I think they're going to draft a corner, and I think they're going to go with Asante I, Samuel Jr. I say they're beefing up again, baby, on defense. Zayvon Collins to the Patriots. I mean, we're talking about a dude going to dry hump Zach Wilson up and down the field day <laughs> and night. Day and night, bro. It's going to be ridiculous because uh, the other thing I believe will happen, unfortunately, I think they're going to cut Dante Hightower, so this would be his replacement. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, Carl. All right, so I'm going with Justin Fields here. I mean, clearly, Scam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton isn't the answer, um, and he's not going to be. You know, didn't Josh McDaniels didn't he go to the both pro days, or is that not? I don't know. I was looking at ESPN earlier today, or something like that, and I heard. Uh, hold on, maybe Josh uh, had the rumor that he fell in love with uh, with uh, Justin Fields. But I'm going to say Justin Fields. I got a lot of rumors, Carl. Come on now. <laughs> he does have a lot of rumors. <laughs> so for me, it, it's interesting because, you know, you did just lose Joe Thune, right, to free agency. It goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. So how do you how do you replace that? How are you going to help Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, you got to help the interior line. And this one is where I go with Elijah Vera Tucker at the guard position. He's a guy that I think could, he's kind of a, a fill-and-plug-in kind of guy. He could fit in right away with the New England Patriots offensive line. He could fit in for replacing Thune's production. Learn on the job, so I'm going to go with Vera Tucker on this one. All right, number 16, the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. So even though I think that 
Elijah Vera Tucker is the better overall prospect. I think in terms of the raw tackle, I think Darasaw is still a better player. So I'm going to give him Darasaw because I don't think I don't think they need as much on the inside. Justin Pugh's been a pretty good guard since he moved from tackle and was terrible with the Giants. They just got Rodney Hudson. So I'm going to give him more of a true tackle. I will draft Christian Darasaw to the Arizona Cardinals. Ah, oh, I'm just skimming right here. I'm trying to find my guy. I can't find him. Oh, just pick somebody. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm going to say they're going with the corner. Uh, the Cardinals draft. What are you laughing over there? What are you? <laughs> it's like this bum rush. We're bum rushing the crap out of this thing. Um, you still have both Farley and Newsom on your board. I'm going to go with Newsom. Newsom goes to the Arizona Cardinals. They need somebody to replace Peterson. I'm going to go with uh, Newsom at number 16. That's what I was going to take. Go ahead. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, I, I have the same. I got Newsom, Newsom to the Cardinals. I mean, they, they, their best cornerback right now is Malcolm Butler. Let me repeat that. Their best cornerback five years ago worked the drive through at Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So, it would seem like a need. <laughs> Come on, Carl. Yeah. So I think it's like a it's a it's a need base versus um, like a knee jerk reaction. And do you want to go take the, the chance at someone like a Quiddy Pay, which I just he just he looks like he would fit in a Arizona Cardinals jersey. I see his frame and like just he would look good in that jersey. But that's not why you make a pick because he's looked good. So I'm gonna go Greg Newsom too. They need a corner. You all said it. it's it's Greg Newsom. You got to replace the production of Patrick Peterson and. I think he'll fit in nicely with that defense, especially getting uh, the guys they have over there with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt and all these guys over there that they have. So I'll go with Greg Newsom. All right, number 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, God. Talk about another team that needs corner badly. I'm going to give them Caleb Farley. I think if there's any team that needs it to take a chance on that number one type corner, first round grade badly, it is Caleb. Uh, it is the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm going to give them Farley. It's a little skeptical with the back injury, but they need to try something. I'm not going with that. Uh, the Raiders at number 17 will go with Gregory Rusa from Miami. Pass rusher, they need one, and they like to get the big names. The as you know, the L.A. Um, or whatever they call themselves, the Las Vegas, Vegas Ra- Raiders. Raiders. I'm going to go with Gregory Russo going to the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, they have a lot of needs, mostly on defense. They're they're not bad offensively, so I'm not going there for them. Even though they could use a, a tackle, I have them taking linebacker Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. Good pick. All right, Carl. All right. Okay, so I had it between Ousu Koromora and then uh, the other Aziz Ajulari from for Georgia. So just to be a little different, I'll go with Ajulari from Georgia. Mm-hmm. I would be good because they need offensive line help, especially because they basically got rid of all their good ones. We're still trying to figure out why. Christian Darasaw of Virginia Tech is a guy that's going to fit in right in with them on a rookie contract. They need to help out Derek Carr as much as possible. So I'm going to go with Darasaw. All right, number 18, the Miami Dolphins. I actually don't know how he escaped my board, probably with the trade back, but now they get Waddle as well. So they double up on the wide receivers. A lot of people, you guys had Waddle. Uh, uh, did one of you have Waddle going earlier? Yeah. One of you had Waddle going earlier to number Dolphins at number six. I have him in the middle of the draft with that pick. They could even trade up to do it, but Waddle the Dolphins seems obvious. Waddle the Dolphins seem obvious. <laughs> All right. At number, uh, number 18, 
the Miami Dolphins select Mr. Harris, the running back from Alabama. I think he fits over there with Tua. They're going to they're gonna bring some people in that's going to give him a little bit more uh, understanding. I think he's the first running back off the board. Harris goes to the Dolphins at number 18. Yeah, uh, me again, I, I, like literally, I'm staring into my closet wondering if my, the bar in there can hold my body weight because me and Errol are on the same page and I'm disturbed. <laughs> um, I, got, I got same position, different player. I got ETN going here. Okay. Go ahead, Carl. I got uh, Usu Koromoa going here. Um, I think they got to find a way to uh, fill Van Noy's spot, and this is a much cheaper way to do it. So, Usu Koromoa. I'm with I'm with Jeff on this one. I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. Explosive Tua needs that. Uh, the, their defense is good enough, I think, as it is. They you know a little more help here and there, but they're still a good defense. A little more weapons for. Tua to play with and everything like that. So I think getting ETN is a big bonus for him. All right. Number 19, the Washington football team. Well, whoever's going to play quarterback, they need more weapons. Terry McLaurin is nice, but that's really all they have. Antonio Gibson, a gadget player. So I'm going to give him Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman is a guy that could definitely develop into a nice player. I know people question where he fits as an outsider, a slot guy, but he was very productive in 2019, especially with Minnesota, and even at the end of the season in 2020. So I'll give Washington Rashad Bateman. Um, At number 19, the Washington football team select Trey Lance. At number 19, he falls to the Washington football team. They need a quarterback. They need a future quarterback. He sits behind Mr. Uh, Journeyman himself. So I'm going with Trey Lance, going to number 19 to the Washington football team. Yeah, for me, I still have Elijah Vera Tucker on my board. And, uh, you know, a slide down from, you know, the 10, 11, 12 range, 13 range to 19, I think would be great for for the uh, the Washington Red Snyders. And uh, <laughs> so I'll give them Vera Tucker. I got to agree with Errol on this one. I got to go with Trey Lance. He, he he was on my board here, obviously, still. So I I like Trey Lance. Um, look, I think he's like the second coming of Mitchell Trubisky. What is it? Like the same exact number starts, 17. But they need someone, so I think they can go with him. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback there right now. We'll see how long it's either going to be Fitzmagic, of course, or Fitztragic. Likely more Fitztragic, especially at the end of the year. Doesn't really have much of an arm. When he thinks he has an arm, he misses his target. So for me, I'm going to go with a slot guy. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, who is arguably the best slot guy you can make the case. Uh, in this draft, I mean, uh, catching in 73% of his catches last year is, is incredible. And then playing in a tough conference in the SEC. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss for the Washington football team. All right, Carl, your team, the Chicago Bears on the clock. Taking this in already. Yes, uh, hopefully our drafts are not as dumb as Ryan Pace's have been. But uh, I'm going to give them who Josh just said. I'm going to give them Elijah Moore. They could use some receiving depth uh, with the iffiness off of Allen Robinson. They might lose him with the, a trade rumor, possibly. I like the way Darnell Mooney played last year, but he's very small. I don't trust him as a long-term option. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. At number 20, the Chicago Bears select Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. I think they need a corner. They need to solidify that corner position. I think he's the perfect guy. I'm going with Caleb Farley. It's a pretty solid pick. I still have two quarterbacks on my board. And because Chicago 
I mean, their their entire team belongs at a dumpster behind the Planned Parenthood. So for me, I got them uh, taking Justin Fields here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, call it your team. And I would jump for joy if Justin Fields was here. That's why we didn't do picks, right? That's why we no trades. So I picked him to go to a Washington. Um, I got to go Elijah Vera Tucker. I want a bigger splash in this, but they need offensive line help. Uh, they, they, well, like we just said, they're a dumpster fire on offense, so they need the help on the line. They can't oh, run. No, 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 no. The reference wasn't a dumpster fire. Uh, find out what Google Planned Parenthood, and then you'll get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with on this one. I think it's going to be Caleb Farley, the cornerback at Virginia Tech. He's obviously a top 15 worthy prospect, but of course, the back injuries have hindered his. Um, kind of his space in, in regards to the draft rankings. The other thing, too, is you got to replace. I know we brought it up earlier. They got to replace Kyle Fuller's production over at the corner spot. Caleb Farley's a guy that, if healthy, can do this. He just, the quick, the key question is if. All right. Number 21, the Indianapolis Colts. A team that does not need much, but one thing they could use is an edge rusher to help out that defense. So my first edge rusher will go off the board. I mentioned it. Uh, Carl, you picked him already. Ojalari has been my favorite guy. I know he had the knee injury, but I think the Colts can let it wait out some time because they have a great defensive coordinator and a great coaching staff to help out that defense. I'll go Ojalari to Indianapolis. At number, what is it? 21. 21. The Colts select... Jeremiah Azua Kamarola, whatever his last name is. Look at it From Notre Dame, the linebacker. Uh, he's off my board. I think he's the best player available. That's where he goes. He goes to the Colts. Yeah. Um, they, they need a few positions. Those are some of them. I actually have them taking Anthony Costanzo's replacement. I'm going to give them Christian Darasaw, Virginia Tech. Go ahead, Carl. All right, so uh, I was looking here. Hold on. Oh, I I forgot that I had Jalen Phillips on my board. So I think they need a defense. I think they need another, uh, another edge rusher. So they're going to go Jalen Phillips over Quiddy Pay because I listen. I'm a Michigan man, but uh, Quiddy Pay is overrated. So Jalen Phillips. I agree. I think this is where they go with the best player available. I'm with Aaron on this one. Jeremiah Wusukoromar is the best. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last part of that name like Arrow, so I'm not even going to go there. Um, It's like trying to listen to Alex Lowe's trying to pronounce a New Japan wrestling name. It's not even going to get anywhere. Um, So it's um, you're going to go with the best. You're going to go with the best guy available. This is what the Colts can afford to do, right? It's nice to be in that spot and just take the best guy. So this guy fits it. He's fast. He could lead the defense. The other guy I was thinking of was Rashad Bateman to get as many weapons as possible for Carson Wentz, but I think you could stick it out with this one. All right, number 22, the Tennessee Titans. All right, so this is where my next edge rusher will come off the board. They need a lot of help in that area. The the middle of their defense is pretty good. Their secondary, they lost a lot too. I just don't know if there's a corner worth taking that spot. Maybe if they trade it back, they could consider that kind of thing, but I will give them Jalen Phillips. They really need edge rushing help badly. All right, at number 22, the Titans, the, the Tennessee Titans select Quiddy Payne from Michigan. That's where he's heading. He's going to Tennessee. That's where he's heading. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, I don't have them going defense here. I got them taking the human joystick. Uh, they lost Corey Davis. They're going to need to get some weapons. I got them getting Kadarius Tony, Florida. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Carl, you're up. 
so I thought about Tony, but I like the Elijah Moore pick. Um, I think he's going to be solid in the in the sl- slot there too. Just like you said, Jeff got to replace Corey Davis, so I like Elijah Moore because he was on my board. Got to replace Corey Davis. That seems to be the theme, and Rashad Bateman is still on my board. The Colts did not take him, so the Colts will be taking Rashad Bateman. That's that's going to help them going forward. Ryan Tannehill needs anything and everything possible, you know, especially if Derrick Henry isn't going anywhere in some games. So that's why you go with Rashad Bateman. All right, number 23, Errol and Josh's New York Jets. Mm. Which one of you guys gets on the other's shoulders and does the J-E-T-F? Not me. Neither. I think Errol would crush Josh if he got on his shoulders. It's the stupidest thing. (laughs) All right, nevertheless, I'm going to get hard hat. Oh, brother, it's a dark guy. What a quitter he freaking is. But anyway. Nevertheless, I'm going to give him Elijah Vera Tucker. A good value pick in this spot. Uh, the Jets could use some offensive line help. Like you guys have been always been saying, you can move different interior guys to center and guard and vice versa. So I'll give him Elijah Vera Tucker. And he could even play tackle, too. At number 23, the New York football Jets draft running back from Clemson, Travis Etienne. There you go. I, I think they're. I think ETN is going to fall to them, and I think they're not going to pass up on him. I think they need a star running back, and to solidify and help Zach Wilson out, they're going to go with ETN. Yeah, for me, I mean, this is like historically the league's worst team they've ever had. I mean, this team should be banished to the Canadian Football League. That's. I mean, they're so bad they're imitating Canadian Football League uniforms. Just now. pick your guy, you dumbass. <laughs> Yeah, oh, they're terrible. So I'm going to give them a guy that I think is really injury-prone. He's had some back issues. Thank you. They need cornerbacks, so this is a perfect opportunity to ruin Caleb Farley's career. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. Dad, Carl. (laughs) Oh, Carl, unmute. We need to – yeah, we got – we unmute you. I see the Jets taking um, Najee Harris because he was on my board. I I like the Etienne pick also if he's there, but I like Najee Harris – I was thinking between him and Bateman, but I think they'll go with Harris. Oh, man. For me, it's between two guys. It's it's Tevin Jenkins and Zaylen Collins. Because Zaylen Collins, to me, is an explosive guy that Robert Sala would just Zaylen Collins won't be there. Pick somebody else. <laughs> uh, well, you want to think so, huh? But he's, he's still, still on, on my board. board but he's still wait. on my board. So. <laughs> you two are just trolling yeah. Jeff, apparently. He's still on you my guys board. Are bums. Don't ruin this guy. Become, he will become a bust if he goes to the Jets. Shut <laughs> up. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kevin Jenkins. Like I've heard the love fair. Keep your bad with... Jets mojo off of Zayvon Collins. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he, you know what? Forget it. Put, give me Zayvon. Give me Zayvon. I, Jeff already hates me enough. You might as well put him on the Jets at this point. So just give me his head and Collins. Love the troll <laughs> pick. Love the troll pick. At number 24, his, the his Pitts. <laughs> Blink of an eye, Jeff. That's how it works, baby. <laughs> All right, at number 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so Josh picked him earlier, and I think the Steelers need a lot of secondary help. I will give them Morig in this spot. They definitely need a lot with with the safety. Minka Fitzpatrick's their only good player right now, and it also gives them ability to move him around a corner if they need to because he can play slot corner. He could do a lot of different things. If at least have a com- comparable safety there rather than what they've had over the years with the, all the old guys and all the like. Uh, like Austin Gale was saying, a lot of the reaches they've had. So I'll take Morig in this spot for Pittsburgh. At number twenty four, the Pittsburgh Steelers select. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. That's where he's headed. Wow, he's still on your board. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. 
Um, Jeff. Sorry, where are we at? Steelers? 20, 24, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not forgiving Josh. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect you Steelers. to, so it's all good. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> he, he's literally the Meg Griffin of what's going on right now. <laughs> I'm just um, going to send you heart yeah. emojis going forward whenever you message me in the comment section. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I got the Steelers taking Najee Harris here. I, you know, they, they, you know, Big Ben's getting older and much, much fatter. Every year he gets a new chin. And so they need to get him some more help. And so I got him. I got him taking Najee Harris. Carl, I I got the Steelers taking Travis Etienne only because I had the Jets taking Harris's pick before. I think it's a little bit of a panic pick, but I think that's what they're going to go with. Travis I'm going Etienne. with the Steelers and, and Najee Harris. I think it fits perfectly. They need as many weapons as they possibly can for Roethlisberger. James, they just lost James Conner to free agency. Now, I mean, look, he couldn't stay healthy anyway. Harris is a beast. We've seen it before, so I'm going to go with Najee Harris in this one. All right, number 25 from the uh, from the LA Rams, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. They need a lot on defense, a lot on defense. I'll take a value pick here. Awusu is still on my board, linebacker from Notre Dame. I, it's not their biggest need in comparison to other defensive positions, but I'll, I like the value because they need, just need so much. And Telvin Smith, he might not play again. Miles Jack might get traded. There's a lot of scenarios. So I will take Jeremiah Awusu. At number 26, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trayvon Morig from TCU. That's where he's going. They need safety help. That's where he's going to go. Jeff? Yeah, for me, uh, this is, you know, I kept flipping back and forth on this pick from Quidi Pay to Christian Barmore. Too many questions with Quidi Pay. I think they're going to take Calais Campbell's replacement. I got Barmore here. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Carl. <laughs> uh, this is where I have Quidi Pay going. Uh, he's going to go there and he's going to be an afterthought because he's not going to see the field. He's not going to beat people out, even though he should be. Um, and hey, his career is going to be gone in three years. But I, I wish it, do- it wouldn't. But he's going to be a Jaguar. So what do you pay? For me, it's the same thing. It's between Barrymore and Pay. It was who's the better guy? To me, it's Barrymore, especially on the interior. They need everything they could possibly get. I mean, they don't have any defensive help right now. Barrymore would fit them well. He was a little inconsistent at times against bigger offensive lines when you think of it, like Tennessee and Florida. But he'll still bring. If you develop him the proper way, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with Christian Barrymore. All right, number 26 is the Cleveland Browns. I'll follow your guys' pick up with Quiddy Pay with my pick of Quiddy Pay. I think the Browns are the perfect team that can mold him. Like you were saying, Carl, very much a project uh, that he could be, and I, I agree with that. He has explosiveness, but he's still more of a speed rusher. He had questions, especially at Michigan, with run-stopping ability. The Browns are the perfect team. They don't need to put him in the fire right away. They just signed you Davian Clowney, so I'll give them Quiddy Pay. Uh, at number 26, the Browns select... Javen Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. So that's where he goes. He goes to the Browns. Jeff? He's speechless. Yeah, I... <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm with Speedy on this one. I think this is the perfect spot for Quinny Pay. He needs a little bit more development. There are some injury concerns. He can slot right in, play opposite of that other muggle that was swinging his helmet forgot what his name is Uh Miles Garrett (laughs) Miles Garrett I I realized he was the number one overall pick but once they're drafted I usually forget about him so (laughs) I like uh, Quiddy Payton 
I like uh, Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Um, I know that most draft boards have him going a little bit later, like towards the end with the Bills and a couple picks. But uh, I like him here with Cleveland. Um, I, I think he's, he's going to be a good player. Not not spectacular, but a good player. I think the, he's a good fit for the Browns. It's Cordy Pay for me. He's a guy that you could fit in. You, you can mold him the proper way, give him time to develop. They have so much still, especially when you lean on a guy like Miles Garrett and stuff like that. You can work with him. So to me, Quiddy Pay is a guy get a little more pass rush on the defensive side of the ball for the Browns. All right, number 27, the first of two picks for the Baltimore Ravens. So this is where I am going to go with Rousseau in this spot. Another guy that I think could use some work. But again, a good value pick for the Ravens who could use an edge rusher. They just lost Nagakwe and Judon this offseason. So I think this is a better value. They need a receiver too, but I think they can deal with that with their second pick. I think Rousseau is a guy that could definitely go off the board to somebody like Buffalo uh, at 30 where they would have to trade up to get back. So I'm going to go Rousseau here for the Ravens. What is this, number 27? 27. 27, the Baltimore Ravens select Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Nice. That's where he goes. Jeff? Wow. Bold pick. Uh, yeah, they have a bunch of options here. They need a bunch of things. Wide receiver, certainly one of them, but I'm not going to go there. I think that they end up taking a defensive end from Penn State, Jason Owe. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Carl. So I'm going Rashad Bateman here. Um, I like Bateman for two years coming out of Minnesota. Uh, I thought he was better than who, – who's the receiver that the uh, the Bucks had last year? That Tyler was a, Johnson. The, yeah, I actually thought he was a little better than him. I mean, I'm not the only one to, to believe in on that, but I like Bateman better. So I like Bateman here um, in this pick. For me, I'm going to go with Tevin Jenkins. They need all the help they can get on the offensive line right now, especially losing Orlando Brown. They need to get guys to replace and fill in. So I am going to go with Tevin Jenkins in this pick. All right, number 28, the New Orleans Saints. So I'll give them a wide receiver. I'll give them Kadarius Toney here in this spot. I think Sean Payton could be very creative with him. We've seen him be compared a lot to a lot of these newer, versatile receivers now. And I think Sean Payton's the perfect coach for that. Nice number two receiver for them. Uh, Number 27? 28. Uh, Number 28, the New Orleans Saints select Aziz Ojari from Georgia. That's where he goes. Edge plus Russia. (laughs) That's where he goes. Interesting pick. I got them taking a safety here. The Saints, right? Yes. Saints at 28? Mm-hmm. Saints at 28. I got them taking Trayvon Morig. That's a nice pick. Carl. Um, I have him going a little off the board here and going with the uh, receiver from – the other receiver from LSU, Terrace Marshall, Jr. I think they're uh, – I just think he's he, – I really don't have a, a reason why. Um, I was looking at some of the stuff I had, but I don't like any of those reasons. I just like him. I'm going to go with him. Pass rushing is needed for this team in my eyes. Jalen Phillips is still on my board. I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips going to the New Orleans Saints. All right, number 29, the Buffalo Bills. Mm. So once again, no, the Packers are 29. Oh, my bad. Uh, Green Bay is 29. I, You know, I'm going to shock people and not take a wide receiver here, Josh. I know you're not going to like this, but this is their other bigger need. They've had a big issue in run defense and Christian Barmore to the Green Bay Packers makes a lot of sense to me. I, I know they need the receivers, but again. Christian Moore makes a lot of sense Aaron to me. Aaron Rodgers will have a mutiny if they don't draft the receiver. I here. think Do they'll get one in the second round. They'll get one in the second round. They'll trade up. But I think 
if there's a, if the value's there, Josh, I agree they, they're going to go there. I have a lot of receivers already off the board. Like if somebody like Elijah Moore or Tony falls there, but I have them both off my board. So I think this is a better value than reaching on somebody like Marshall, like Carl was saying, um, and like one of our guests was saying that has had injury issues. I think it's just great value in this spot. Well, Rondell Moore is also good from Purdue. Rondell Moore is a really good receiver as well. Again, they, I think they can still get him in the second, though. At number 29, the Green Bay Packers select Rondell Moore from Purdue. Oh, my God. That's where he's going. Wide receiver, powerhouse. I think he's going to fit like a glove over there with the Green Bay Smackers. So there I, that's why I say. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I am. I'm going to shoot myself in the face. I, that's exactly who I had was Rondell Moore. <laughs> I, 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 you know, Terrence Marshall is there, and that would make sense. But I think because they have that receiver on their team, you know, they have uh, Valdez Scantling and, you know, that tall receiver that can run. They, they got a bunch of those guys. I think they're going with the guy they've been missing since Jordy Nelson left. I think it's Rondell Moore. Carl. All right, so Speedy, I, it's intriguing that you went Barmore. I actually think Rashawn Gary is going to surprise some people this year. I think he's going to solidify that D-line. I, I just think he's going to make that big jump here in year three. So I think the Packers, they're going to be the Packers. They're going to make the same pick they always pick. It's going to be safe. They're going to go Tevin Jenkins, offensive line. Wow, he's still on your board, too. Wow. <laughs> It's interesting. It you know I wanted to say Kadarius Tooney, but my thing is with Rondell Morris, he's played in those elements before in Purdue, playing in the in the in you know in the Midwest, so he knows how the elements work with the freezing cold and everything like that. Tooney is you know from Florida, doesn't really ex- understand the elements that well. So for me, I'm going to go with Rondell Moore going to the Green Bay Packers, and a union will not be formed by Aaron Rodgers. All right, number thirty. Now it is the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> So another team I think they could use some edge rushing help, but I think being I just picked four guys, I think they could wait a little bit on that. I'll give them a running back. I will give them Travis Etienne. I know they just drafted Zach Moss and uh, Devin Singletary, but again, I think the committees are the way to go here, and I think if, if Etienne, that kind of value could definitely help in that spot. Have a three-headed monster. Have a, have, a, have a team that can make it work. And give Josh Allen a better check-down option as a receiving back, because he's a very good receiving back, Jeff, as you alluded to many, many times. So I'm going to give the Bills Etienne. Ah, at number 30, the Buffalo Bills select Christian Barmore from Alabama. That's where he's going. Jeff? Got it? You're done? Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, for the, you know, the Bills are doing a bunch of things, uh, you know, a bunch of things really well. They don't need a ton. Um, I have them taking linebacker from Kentucky, Jamin Davis. Hmm. Hey, I'll make, I'll make it quick, too. That's exactly who I was going to pick, Jamin Davis. I like him. Uh, he's got good size, but I, I think he fits well for them. Jason Owa for me out of Penn State. He need an edge rusher. Um, the defense, the rich get richer, as they say. So Jason Owa for me is the guy out of Penn State. All right, number, number 31, again, the Baltimore Ravens. So I will give them I will give them a receiver now. In this case, I'll give them Rondell Moore, and I think the val again the value is just too good to pass up for. It's the last need that they, for them the receivers. I think it's really a big a big need. They got their pass rusher now. I know they could use the O line help, but like uh, Josh, you and I were saying on the phone, they usually find those guys later. A lot of the time, they do a great yeah. job at drafting offensive line. Whereas receivers, they really need to try something at this point. Yes, you do. 
Mm. Baltimore, select Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. That's where I think he's going, Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, you know, again, this is an, for me, this is another spot where I could put Terrence Marshall, but I just think that they can find a comparable wide receiver later, and I think they want to replace Orlando Brown, so I have them taking Jackson Carmen. Okay, Carl. Okay, so so Errol, that was a sneaky selection there. I I forgot about him from OSU, mm-hmm. um, but probably because he went to OSU. That's right. But I'm going to go with Trayvon Mooring only because he's still on my board as a safety, and Baltimore needs that. Um, you think safety? You think of someone who can go get the ball, like what is it, Ed Reed? Obviously, so I think they'll go with him with uh, Trayvon Mooring. It's easy. It's Kadarius Tooney. He's still on my board. He's a guy that, I mean, look, we, the Baltimore Ravens, they need to help out Lamar Jackson as much as possible, but the weapons that he has, he's got very few, and you see it in these playoff games, so Kadarius Tooney's the guy for me. All right. Final pick of this mock draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hmm. So I'll, I'll give him some secondary depth in this spot. Uh, I'll give him Asante Samuel Jr. as the final pick. I, I, you, you never can have enough corner depth. I mean, the same thing could be said for pass rushers, but I think now at this point the better value is with corner. So I will round out the draft with Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, I think they need offensive line help. I, I do. I still think they need offensive line help. I am going to say I'm going to take, a, I'm gonna take a, a guess on this one. Um. I'm going to go with um, Dylan Radins, Radins from North Dakota State. They're going to reach on him. Uh, at, uh, he's the 55th best prospect in, on the, my board. I'm going to go with Dylan Radins. So, there you go. Yeah, so we're, we're at the last pick of the, the round, right? Yeah, yep. last one. Okay. I mean, he's still on my board. Let, let, let's be honest. The Buccaneers need nothing. They just proved this offseason that money means nothing because they had no salary cap space and they re-signed everybody. Everybody. So they don't really need anything, and he's still on my board. Trey Lance. By by the way, by the way, I want to correct that. Um, I forgot about this guy. I'm going to go with Jalen Mayfield over here. All right. So I got Mayfield going to uh, the Buccaneers. So. Carl, your final pick. All right, so yeah, I, the Buccaneers are loaded everywhere. I mean, they what they even re-signed Antonio Brown again. So they took yeah. another flyer on him. So I don't see him taking a flyer um, on anyone else offensively. But just because Jeff has made us a believer, we all watched tape after he went nuts over this guy, and I he's still on my board. So for Jeff, I'm taking Zayvon Collins to the Bucks. Oh, keep your bad juju off of Zayvon Collins. He's a patriot. <laughs> Give me another beast on that offensive line. Give me Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama mm-hmm. and put him on that line. Put him right there with next to Tristan Wirth. I think he goes to the Jets in the second round. That's what well, I think. you could think that, but listen to this. If they put him next to Tristan Wirth, I'll tell you what, Tom Brady is going to be a very happy man, and he's going to buy an entire buffet for those two. Jalen okay. Mayfield. Just remember that. Alex Leatherwood will All be right. my last pick for the Buccaneers. And I need points, goddammit. I got the fucking over on this game, and both teams stopped scoring. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Josh gave you bad luck. Josh gave oh, you bad yeah. luck. Dude, it's, 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 unbelie- it's unbelievable. The over-under is 120 on this game, and both teams are barely at 100 with a minute to go. Like, dude, it's the Suns and Clippers. When was the last time either team played defense? 
<laughs> well, the Clippers do. I don't know about the Suns. Yeah. Dude, the Clippers just gave up 130 the other day. Yeah, who did they play? Uh, who did they play? Golden the State. Blazers. Oh, the Blazers. In, in Golden State, they were giving up points. Yeah. I need overtime to get to the over here, man. Come on. We're down... <laughs> We're down nine. Let's go. <laughs> All right, there's two. Hey, did you guys see Bryce Harper got plugged in the face tonight? <laughs> like, I, like, I played it in a parlay, so I still need the Suns to win, but I, now I'm rooting for overtime so I can get the, the, the over on this game. Dude, you want to talk about hit with a hit? Generous. I am there. Yeah, he got hit in the face. And then the next guy up got hit in the ribs. <laughs> they, threw, they threw Joe Girardi out of the game because he's arguing. Like, why you got, why you keep hitting my guys? Well, I don't even know who the pitcher was. I'm sure Bryce Harper will be fine. He does. He has an ugly face, anyways. <laughs> I mean, you said. I mean, he did get hit. I mean, 97 mile per hour fastball in the face, and he's gonna be yeah. fine. <laughs> I was like, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. He'll be. Fine. It was like right here in between the nose you know, and, that, and the eye. It's interesting. You just said Bryce Harper has an ugly face because I was talking about this with a friend the other day. We were trying to make a list of the top 10 most punchable faces in sports. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put me there. <laughs> no, 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 no. players at all time. I'm, I mean, you're not in sports, so yeah. I mean, that just is what it is. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Jeff, I mean, are, the, are the top ten all Cowboys? No, 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 no. Like we had, like we had Joe West in there. Ah. Like, tell, tell me you don't want to slug that dude, right? Like Angel Hernandez. Oh, right? Angel Hernandez is such a scumbag. Right. We Bryce Harper made the list. We had Bryce Harper on the list. You know. Sam Darnold made the list just because nobody likes people with red hair. <laughs> hey, let's go in the back. Jay Cutler. Dude, Jay Cutler Lakeland. was on our list for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Sidney Crosby on the list because he just whines and cries like a bitch. Carl, in, in a Jay Cutler's defense, he's probably the best quarterback the Bears have had, which isn't saying much. All right, Speedy, read whatever everything I mean, stuck I mean, in. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. He, you know, Carl can hate on Jay Cutler all he wants, but I think he's just jealous that he pulled a piece of trim like that girl Kristen from the Hills. I realized I got divorced and stuff, but like, <laughs> I think that's Carl's major beef. Is he knows being an ugly dude from Chicago, he's got no chance with a girl like that. <laughs> he's married. <laughs> yeah, I bet he married an ugly. No, his wife is beautiful. His wife's beautiful, you nasty bastard. You're such a bastard. <laughs> I bet I bet she looks like the bees with a wig. Yeah. Hey. Hey, he, he's wishing for an overtime in a parlay, and I'm going to go in the, in the bedroom with her. So, yeah, man, keep working on that parlay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, Carl. Jesus. I know, man. I am too. I know, I know. It's all good. It's all love. Still is ugly, though, right? Josh, he's got all the rumors. Maybe Josh got a rumor for uh, this list. <laughs> listen, oh. give me a couple hours, Carl. Yeah. You know, listen, I'll tell you this. With all the rumors. Give, me, give me a couple Tell's hours. Could it. happen. <laughs> and you'll be the hey. first. If it's a Chicago Bear rumor, you'll be the first one messaging me, Carl, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's end the draft with all the green. We'll, we punch Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear some Josh stories. Tell us about the shicks that your mom hates. <laughs> well, I actually didn't hear it. What did he say? <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Oh, man. You guys are too much. Uh, you guys are out of control. <laughs> I'm not going to get overtime, and I'm going to miss this. Holy God. Ever, dude, life hates me. This is just unbelievable. <laughs> Fuck you, 
<laughs> Anyways, he tries to bring me down. Carl, Jeff, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll definitely get you on next time. It's a, it is my birthday now, by the way, everybody. So happy birthday! No one cares. Yeah, nobody. Happy birthday. birthday, Errol. Thank you. Thank no you. One, no one. Oh, from the thirty nine club. Spending your birthday alone. Nobody likes you. Shut up, you. <laughs> Eat my shorts, you little bastard. <laughs> Eat my shorts. You just pulled out a 1989 Bart Simpson reference. Is That's that, right. That... <laughs> That's right. Simpsons. If you're not a Simpson lover, you're not an anybody lover. Goodbye, Jeff. Thank you for joining us, bud. Cheers. I did want to thank you, though, Errol, for uh, allowing me to um, watch the UFC the other night. That was fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm happy I can oblige you, man. All right, good luck tonight banging a fatty, Carl. <laughs> no problem. It's better than smoking one, which you're going to be doing after you lose this parlay. But anyway, Errol, thanks, man. Mazel tov. Happy birthday, man. Thank we'll you, you so much, man. Call, Bye, Carl. Call Chi-Town. Good friend. Good fan. Awesome. Well, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. That was a I long did show. all right. <laughs> That was interesting. <laughs> that was definitely interesting. Snug, thank you. Uh, a lot about the Cowboys over here. <laughs> the Beeve and Jerry Jones, personal pleasures and assistance. Thank you. Luke, when Carl Carl and Jeff are going at it, you can't just let me just sweep under the rug. You got to bring my name into the conversation. I'm that just I trying to help you. One. He's such an asshole. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a better show. What, what, what can I say? You were the one who didn't sing. It was already so. better. <laughs> you were the one who didn't sing. So. Oh. And by the way, and Carl knows this, if I had a room at the Chicago Bears, he'd be texting me about it. <laughs> Chicago Bears trade all the way up to number five. Or, hey, listen. The, the Chicago Bears trade all the way up to number three with the 49ers. They traded their whole draft just to take Mac Jones from them. It came out tonight <laughs> that the Eagles are working. The Eagles and Colts are talking trade for Zach Ertz. So, mm. this is going to be good. Let's bring like, all the Eagles to the Colts. Let's just bring them all in. Bring them all. Bring the whole flock back. Well, Nick Foles will be the backup again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, Carlson once will be just fine over there. Trust me. Yeah, but you have yeah, to his see, body yeah, says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you see, Arrow, that's the thing, though. It's got to be the full duo. It's got to be Wentz and, and Foles. That's how they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's got to be them together. It can't be one or the other. Uh, we'll see. That might happen. All right, Carl, what will your reaction be? Uh, you're saying text me tomorrow. What will your reaction be if they trade all the way back up to three just to get Mac Jones from the 49ers? And it's just complete deja vu. And by the way, Carl says... Uh, they will move up and blow. Yeah. They will move up and blow. Carl, I'm going for the most extreme scenario here. <laughs> interesting. Interesting, interesting. Well, that was a great show. We had Jeff uh, spitting out his craziness and, you know... God. He's nasty, man. He's so funny. He's so nasty. He can be. I don't think Carl cares what he says, anyways. No, I, I don't think so. And there he is. Oh. <laughs> Jeff taking more shots with an f bomb. <laughs> anyways, that's well, it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we will not be doing a show tonight uh, for the draft. It is my birthday. I'm going out with my family. But uh, absolutely I, enjoy that, man. Thank you. You deserve thank it. Thank you. Um, I've been. Uh, it's been a long year, and uh, I'm now 39, and uh, hopefully um, moving on. So it's all good and fun. You Where know, are you moving on to? 
Moving on, man. Just moving on. You sound like you when you say you're moving on, you sound like you're moving on to the sunset, like you're gone, like you're dying or something. Like you I'm moving on. Moving on up to the east side, you know. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways. If you're gonna go that way, if you're gonna go that uh, I wanna think watching, you're watching too much Jefferson's. I wanna thank Ian Eagle for joining us on Monday and doing what he did. Thank you to him. I'd like to thank uh, New York Post college football reporter Zach Brazilla for joining us. And um, pro football focus content director Austin Gale. I'd like to thank Jeff. I'd like to thank Carl for joining us. Uh, uh, but uh, I really appreciate it. I wish uh, wish me luck, everybody, being thirty nine and moving forward. And uh, like I said, uh, we're very excited for the future of our network. Um, we will talk to you next week. Remember the weekend crunch airing every single Saturday this week, seven p.m. Right. Nope, Islander game against the Rangers. All right, so right Saturday. after the Islander game at 10, 10.30, uh, go to, uh, uh, what do we call that? Um, LI News Radio Network. LI News Radio Network. 2.9 FM. No, but you can if you don't live over here, you can go to iHeartRadio, LI News Radio, and you can listen to the show live. So there you go. Um, that's it. Uh, until next week, this is Errol Marks, Speedy PD, and Joshua Silverberg saying goodnight, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.